Awesome, Wanaka. So amazing to see you all. And anyone from Queenstown, did you make it over? Was their weather all right? Well done. So give yourselves all a massive round of applause for coming out. It's awesome to see you. Well, um, it's been a massive, massive journey to get here. Um, and we've been all around the North Island and we're on our little last leg. So what an amazing place to be. Wanaka and this whole area is just like nothing else in the country. Um, it really is like a whole different world down here, isn't it, Calvin? certainly is. Everyone's waiting for me to rant, eh? <coughs> but we we're might gonna, keep that till the end. We're going to save the rant till the end because we want to hear from the speakers who are coming because we like to give the platform to our local speakers or anyone who's got a um, story to share. So we'll be doing that shortly. We'll just do a poll first. I oh, think yeah. it's, a, it's a good idea if we do the poll. We do this everywhere we go. Um, you can ask questions. Okay, and we do want to do a special uh, thanks to Sue uh, from the local Wanaka um, app. So it's great to see that um, someone maybe with a more mainstream perspective is actually here uh, seeing for herself what this is all about. Um, and of course, as we hold her, your guys' voice um, is what's being silenced by mainstream media and the politicians. So the questions we've been asking um, go a little something like this. How many of you here know somebody who has um, had an adverse reaction to the jab? Okay, hold there. We, we always want to get this. Because this, as we say, is better than a Colmar Brunton poll. This is real people and real experience. And this is happening, if you all look around, this is happening everywhere. Every single stop we stop at, this yeah. is everywhere. And put, right put, throughout the country. Put a second hand up if you know more than one person. One, yeah. So, <laughs> well, there you go. Wow. Okay. So many of you know at least two people. Okay, thank you for that. The next question is, how many of you know somebody who's passed away from the jab within a short space of time? Yeah. See, that's another lot. And how many of you have um, been mandated out of a job or lost an education spot because of the mandates? Yeah. And this is what we're getting all around the country. So if you've got a story that you want to share, we've got a um, storybook down the back there as well. We'd love to add your story to the bunting that we're collecting. And the f um, final one is how many of you know somebody who um, has died from COVID-19? One. Okay. And how many of you actually, apparently, according to their testing, have actually caught COVID-19 and obviously you've survived? <laughs> Why are you still here? Should be dead. Okay. It's the most contagious, deadly pandemic ever to hit mankind, remember? So one of you knows someone who's died and many of you have caught it and you've lived to tell the tale. So um, it goes to show that things are a little bit out of perspective and all of you know at least uh, one person, the majority of you, who's actually... I've got harmed. two more for the poll. Oh, yeah, go. How many of you, and this is, this is the part I'm finding um, hard, how many of you know of someone who's basically taken their own life because of anything to do with this entire scam? In the last couple of years. Or even attempted. Are there any attempted suicides that you know of? See, yeah. that is where the tragedy is. And statistically now they're saying um, that suicides can be logged as accidental deaths. 
So um, statistically, I suppose you can make anything look good or bad, depending on who's, who's writing it. Um, we should also uh, thank Janelle and her team and everybody for organising this and making sure we didn't get cancelled. And as you can see, we haven't got hidden Nazi swastikas stickers anywhere, so we're not um, white supremacists like they say. So There's our spare chuckers down the back there. <laughs> yeah, see? That's the one. So we're that, equal opportunities here. That was always going to be a risk, uh, you know, because people don't like the truth. And they have been trying to shut us down um, as we've been coming down the country. And, of course, many of you probably heard that in um, Dunedin and Invercargill, they managed to put a lot of pressure on um, various different venues. So what it is is basically it's people online, trolls, or um, people who just think we are something that we're not, um, ringing up these venues and listing off all these um, falsities about us and then the venues get scared and of course um, the Otago Daily Times wrote a hit piece on us um, following that narrative. But uh, we're on the last leg, we've got Greymouth next and then Westport and Nelson. Uh, so it's been a massive um, couple of months and of course it's been to bring you all together after Wellington because how many of you actually made it up to Wellington? Wow, that's awesome. Nice. That's really cool. And did any of you make it up to Picton? Awesome. And of course, um, there was the Dunedin stand as well in Christchurch. So there's been a real awakening in New Zealand over the last couple of years. Um, and as many of the speakers will tell you from their points of view, uh, the truth is getting out. So it's really, really good to see, of course, as well, Groundswell um, and the Taxpayer Union going on their Three Waters tour. Did any of you make it to any of their meetings locally? Yeah, awesome. Nice. Um, they've been getting packed out halls as well. So it's just great to see these conversations starting. Um, and yeah, I guess that's all probably from me right now anyway until the end. What about you, Calvin? No, not yet. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> I'll state what I always state. All I want to see, and I'm happy to pack up, go home, bag my head, whatever, but just show us the unredacted Pfizer contract you signed us up to, government. We'll be happy with that. Show us the isolated virus that was taken from any patient anywhere in the world. We know it doesn't exist. So what the hell are you trying to vaccinate against? As far as all your variants go, why did they suddenly start coming about when you started jabbing people? And why did you already have the boosters in hand and then telling everyone that this will protect you from those variants? The PCR test was faulty, as we know. It's now been absolutely proven by them themselves, out of their own mouths, that the PCR test was not picking up this mysterious virus, it was picking up the common cold. That I've been saying from day one, if you go right back, Everything I've said, I've been bang on. And I've been telling you every step of what'll happen as it happens. And yet still, they want to play the game and want to bullshit you, because that's all they're doing. Now mainstream media can attack us for being whatever. They can make up as many stories as they like, but what they can't do is prove us wrong. All we want is the evidence. Show us the evidence and we'll be happy. It doesn't exist. So anyone who says they've had COVID-19, sorry you didn't, you had the common cold or the flu, that's it. It's the jab that's going to, you watch the excess mortality rate going forward over the next few years. In 2020, no excess mortality detected. Now, we're getting the variation, we're starting to get the climb. When you've got experts saying within three to five years, jab people are going to be dead, they're certainly something to, someone should look at someone should very, closely. very closely. I feel sorry for anyone who was coerced, anyone because it's like playing Russian roulette with a shotgun. You were told either you take this experimental jab, or you lose you lose. your uh, livelihood. You can't feed your family, can't pay your bills. Those are the people that I feel sorry for. Some of us, we're never gonna take it anyway. 
and we were prepared to lose everything for it. And then, of course, take the attacks to go around and, like chicken little, sky's falling down, but this time <laughs> it actually is. So we'll uh, listen to these next lot of speakers because that's where I can actually come to hear and come to hear me. But I'll, um, no, I'll have a rant at the end. <laughs> Yep, cancers are returning in droves. Ethylene oxide. Yep. If you can't hear that, ethylene oxide in the buds yep. that are taking the testing. So. It's massive. Yep. Okay, well, without yep, further ado, we'll hand up. over to Janelle. Thanks. And we'll see you soon. Super. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Hannah. These two are part of a counterspin, of course, but I want to give a big shout out to the crew. Nothing like this can happen without the crew of counterspin. A big clap for them, guys. Thanks also to our six speakers who, in my mind, are legends and awesome examples of everyday people. They're not top speakers in the world. They're everyday people having the balls, conviction, passion, knowledge and foresight to speak about things that are not being spoken about out there or not many people are speaking about. So I applaud them. Each speaker could write a, a, write a book about what they'd like to speak about tonight, but we're really tight on time. We're going to give them just a few uh, minutes, seven or eight minutes each, just to give a glimpse into their story or into their observations or their wisdom that they want to uh, tell you tonight. If you resonate with one of those people or several or want to go and talk to them, do so afterwards. Look up their websites and really go and get behind them and support them in their cause. A credit and shout out to you. So we've got Queenstown. Who else have we got? We've got Cromwell. Who's Cromwell? We've got Alexandra. We've got Wanaka. Hawea. Somewhere else. <laughs> Woohoo! All those other places. You are flipping amazing for arriving here. We're so... Um, so grateful that you're behind the cause, but also about you know being bold and brave and just making the move, which is really what we're doing in this uh, day and age, isn't it? We're just making things happen, so that's awesome. Uh, we are also proud that you're not home watching the six o'clock news tonight. You are here instead. Yes. Woo! We are better news givers. We are also better news seekers. So we're not out there doing nothing. We're actually actively out there finding out stuff, looking at stuff, reading stuff, listening to stuff, and really discerning our own truth from that. So that is flippin' amazing. Our first speaker tonight, her name is Kaz. Some of you, particularly from Wanaka, will know her. The way I know Kaz is we're on and off the field uh, football mums. So we had the shared experience of having our sons not being allowed to play on the Wanaka grounds here in the Prem team, for example. Uh, that for us was absolutely intolerable. So we made waves. We rang the president. We rang the New Zealand football. I was in touch with Sport New Zealand and the Minister of Sport and Rec with zero response. Not okay, is it? They weren't even allowed to spectate on the side of the field. Excuse my language about how fucking awesomely stupid is that. Did you like that? Yeah. That's how strong you are. You haven't seen me at my best. Um, we also know each other from um, teacher interviews. So um, Kaz teaches or taught at the local high school um, where we as a VFF group actually served papers to the principal. What a day that was. 
The way I see CARES, I, I talk about the three Bs for CARES. She's bubbly, she's big-hearted, and she's flippin' brave. She was the pioneer of some good things in that school, particularly mindfulness and health and PE, but particularly that mindfulness. What an absolutely valuable subject and topic and thing to be talking about with our young people who are going through such dreadful stuff at the moment. I applaud CARES. She's going to come on stage and talk about staff room bullying and teacher mandates. Come on in. Okay, good evening everybody. Can, can you all hear me all right? Gosh, it's bright. Okay, good evening. Thank you for this opportunity to share my story of government mandates through the lens of a teacher. Teaching for me wasn't a job, it was a vocation. It was my passion, it was my joy. I started my training in 1988 at the University of Warwick, where I graduated four years later with a first-class honours degree and qualified teacher's status in physical education and English. I started teaching in 1992, until it was taken away from me on the 15th of November, 2021. I'd like to give you a little bit of a background. Um, I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from letters I was sent from my school at the time. So I wrote a very, very, very long, detailed letter. Very long. Um, all my, all my references, all my information, my thousands and thousands of hours of due diligence. Tenakwe Carol, thank you for your email dated the 7th of November and the information provided. We write to request a meeting in order to consult with you regarding the COVID-19 public health response vaccinations order 2021, the order in brackets, the order, and its implications for our school and your ongoing employment. We would like to ensure that you have all the relevant information in relation to the order and that we understand any relevant health issues and your decision as to whether or not you intend to be vaccinated within the required timeframes. We refer you to the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Health, and trusted sources of information. Unite Against COVID-19 website, Ministry of Health website, and the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners website. No, thank you. Then I had my meeting. This was a response. Tenakwe Carol. As you are aware, the COVID-19 Public Health Response Vaccination Order 2021, the order, is now in effect and requires effective workers in the education sector to have received their first approved COVID-19 vaccination before the close of the 15th of November. It's dated the 15th of November. And their second approved vaccination before the close of the 1st of January. Following my discussion with you on Wednesday the 10th of November, you confirmed that you've not yet received the approved vaccination. At this point in time, you're not convinced of the efficacy of the vaccine. I also mentioned safety and numerous other things. 
If this information regarding your vaccination status is correct, you will not be permitted to continue performing your role for us or any other affected education services in New Zealand covered by the order after the 15th of November whilst you remain unvaccinated. Further, if you remain unvaccinated or have not received two doses before the close of the 1st of January, it will be a breach of the order for you to continue working. Unless and until we can confirm that you have been vaccinated, we are required to stand you down from your duties because you will be in breach of the order. The stand down will be effective from the 16th of November. That was the day after. While you're stood down, you will be prohibited from attending school. You will not be required to undertake any duties. We are required to inform you that a failure to comply with the order could result in you being found to have committed an infringement offence and subject to an infringement fee or fine. The 15th of November was a Monday. It was my last day teaching. I left Mount Aspiring College heartbroken. Nobody said goodbye, but I wasn't broken. I refused to be a victim. I never gave away my power. What I did experience was the division in relationships, the polarization, discrimination, harassment, exclusion, and harrowing emotions that came with it all. The next day was the final day for my seniors and my son's final prize giving, neither of which I was allowed to attend. Students who I'd worked with for six or seven years were left in the dark, as I was not allowed to explain why I wasn't there. My son wasn't acknowledged at prize giving, even though he had a national achievement and three Blues Awards. And my departure wasn't mentioned. It was like a dirty little secret. I didn't comply, and therefore, I wasn't worthy of a mention, and neither was my son. It was as if we'd never existed. Never existed at a school that I'd committed 16 years of love and passion to. I was later told that I was mentioned at the staff farewells, but I wasn't invited. The angle I'd like to share about my experiences from challenging the school's kaupapa vision and values and how by me declining an experimental jab illuminated a number of aspects of human behavior human nature, darker tendencies, which included scapegoating, polarizing, dehumanizing, and groupthink. I was the only staff member to remain vaccine-free, and therefore my experience was really quite intense. I'd like to talk about how all of this was in complete contrast to our more noble qualities, including empathy, kindness, compassion, companionship, and courage. Our school values and vision, ironically, include all of these noble qualities. The Kaupapa is the land is strong, the people are fulfilled. Hmm, I'm not. Vision, to be an inclusive and sustainable learning environment, inspiring our learning community to be creative, curious, courageous, and compassionate. Just remember those words. Um, the first value is we respect each other. 
We act with integrity and we are proud of ourselves and our school. Integrity, one of my favorite words, one which I always encouraged in my students. Integrity is the practice of being honest and showing a consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values. In ethics, integrity is regarded as the honesty and truthfulness or accuracy of one's opinions. To have an organization that's representing integrity, surely staff would have to develop this within themselves. For me, it means living my truth, expressing my truth, being open about my truth. I shared a recent post on Facebook about Pink Shirt Day. Are you all aware of Pink Shirt Day? It's a day that seeks to create schools, workplaces, and communities where everyone feels safe, valued, and respected. I brought the initiative to Mount Esperon College eight years ago. We were one of the first schools in the country to do this. In previous years, I wore pink in support and spent the week learning about bullying with my students. The role of bystanders, but more importantly, the role of compassion. My post was about how I'd spent the week reflecting on my own experience of the last eight months and the government-sanctioned bullying that had taken place. It's not okay to discriminate against people because of their skin color, their gender, their sexual preferences, their religion, ethnicity, culture, or disability. Yet people were actively encouraged to discriminate. Many of my colleagues turned their backs on me, called me irresponsible, a biohazard, said I deserved to lose my livelihood. I had two dependents. It was four weeks before Christmas. That I should be in prison, that I was irresponsible, dangerous, stupid, that they didn't want me teaching their children, that I had a duty to protect the vulnerable, that my own sons had gone behind my back and got jabbed. What a terrible mother I was. These were my colleagues. After reading my post, a very courageous colleague reached out to me. I thought about you today, Carol, as I pulled on my pink shirt, and now you have taught me in such a short space of time about supporting students and being the voice for them and informing others, including teachers, about how we treat each other. I'm heartbroken for what you have endured, but know you've had a positive impact on people by the words you say, even if we're not aware of them at the time or brave enough to stand up at the time. So just a wee reminder about the noble qualities I mentioned earlier. Just revisit the school values. We create strong relationships that foster a unique sense of belonging and support for each other. We understand and accept each other. Our diversity is our strength. Not one person sought to understand why I refused. Not one conversation. We act with, these are the school values, we act with empathy, kindness, and compassion. We grow resilience through our determination and commitment to do our very best. I'd like to believe I've embodied every one of these values. I'd just like to leave you with a wee excerpt from a card from a beautiful 15-year-old boy. 
15-year-old boy. Dear Miss Bradley, I want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for being an amazing teacher. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for helping me get through school when times have been tough. I hope you realize how much I appreciate and admire you. You've taught me to be comfortable with myself, accept myself and be more open-minded towards other people, be more compassionate, strong, speak my mind, be my own person and a good leader. Can I just finish? I just want to thank my community, thank the people here, thank Janelle for this opportunity. And this resonated with me today. Willing to experience aloneness, I discovered connection elsewhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I, f I find fullness without end. Thank you. I don't think you want those pieces of paper, do you? They're rubbish. Our next speaker, come on, Randall. Randall and I know each other through tourism, so he used to come into the Wanaka Eye site where I worked um, for a couple of years, and he was out there doing his thing on the water and the boat and doing some amazing experiences with people out there. Um, both of us lost our jobs due to the mandates. Uh, my Wanaka Eyesight job was a job that I absolutely adored. Uh, I was great there. I was very good at what I did. I was awesome with the, pe with the people. I was a pastoral caregiver of people as well as giving them a good time in Wanaka and Queenstown and, and all sorts of touristy sort of places. So absolutely adored that. So I know um, Randall through that means. Um, I also know him through VFF Connection. I want to do a big shout out to Amanda and Dexter. Where are they? They are just an awesome, awesome family. They are a local family. Um, I asked Dexter just a few moments ago whether um, I'm allowed to mention him as the, just the most gorgeous young person ever in Wanaka. Um, he arrived, I don't know, I don't know how many days to our little protest, you know, on the Freedom Green. He was the skatey boy that went along the, there with, you know, posters and things like that. He's just amazing. Um, they're off-gridders, they're homeschoolers. Um, Amanda, you do amazing yoga and healing out at your yurt, and we just totally uh, respect and love you as a, as a family here in Wanaka. So Randall is obviously part Part of that. Here he is. <laughs> All good. Um, who went to the Alpaca Social Club gig, the music gig, a few months ago? We kind of illegally had too many people there, but who cares? We had this... Honestly, if there was one moment this year that I will never forget was rocking up to their property out there, somewhere out there. Let's not tell anybody where it was, but it was out there somewhere. Uh, we had a whole heap of people. The weather was delightful. The kind of band played really sort of world music. And we just danced our little tushies off, so much so that I could hardly walk the next day. It was so good. We saw kids playing. They were climbing trees. They were on the trampoline. They were doing all sorts of cool things. Really an example of how life should be.
That was an amazing gig, so we thank you for that. Randall has a, um, a background in photojournalism and media and communication. Tonight his topic is eyewitness testimony is gold. So he goes around with his little telephone and video and what have you and really gets um, testimony from people. So this is so uh, important in terms of um, documenting history and he's so, so good at that. So yes, he was in Wellington. Yes, he was on the Wanaka waterfront. I think every day during that protest time. We kind of did most days, didn't we? Um, and have you been to Washington? I was trying to think of three W's, Wellington, Wanaka, and maybe Washington with your US kind of background experience. So come on over, Randall. Washington State, cool. Thanks, Janelle. Thank you. And my uh, apologies for those that have heard some of this before. But uh, I was originally, uh, came from a state in the United States uh, that took freedom rather seriously in the past. Uh, rather than having sunny Florida or scenic Montana or the greatest snow on earth on their license plate, we had live free or die. So there's one right there. <laughs> um, so they took themselves quite seriously. Unfortunately, a lot of people are asleep at the wheel in New Hampshire, I think. I know one or two people. Um, but I've been in New Zealand now for quite a while and complete with citizenship just before all this happened. Um, but I still can't make a good cup of tea. I think it's because our ancestors are the people in the field of the tea over the Boston Harbor and they're protesting tax. So, um, but the title of this is called Eyewitness Testimony is Gold. And it starts in 1969 when I was 11 years old. And I promised to finish within seven minutes. <laughs> My uncle, my uncle Kurt was a four-star general in the Army Corps of Engineers. He was a career man, graduated top of his class at West Point, and was in World War II, Korea, and, he, and his chopper was shot down in the Vietnam War. He survived to tell about it, and I remember him using a portion of the blade of the helicopter as the coffee table. He, like others of the top brass, were, cons were wary of an emerging new world order. At family Fourth of July picnics, and when I was 11, he would warn us of a newly formed Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission. Keep in mind, this was the late 1960s. I remember wondering if he was a bit nuts. <laughs> but over the years, I would pop by his house, and we'd discuss the latest conspiracies from his perspective. It was deep conversation. I don't know if that influenced me on this, but I became a local reporter in my early teens. And in my late teens, I became an apprentice as a stringer for United Press International as a photojournalist. So a stringer is a part-time journalist. They call you up, we need you to go cover this. So uh, New Hampshire was the first primary state where candidates would file through, like George Bush and, this, and Gary Hart and all that. So I was trained by Sookie Coughlin uh, on how to make my subjects feel comfortable behind the lens of a still camera uh, and get in, there, get in there for the newsworthy shots and just be pushy a little bit in a kind way. Uh, which later would put me, uh, would put the pictures on the wire, which is sort of a precursor to the fax machine, if anybody even knows what that is. <laughs> so here I was, living in two worlds. I had my, uncle, uh, my uncle's reports and the other, mainstream media. So I'm just under, in, in my 20s, or if that, uh, doing mainstream media on a national level. So we, would, we had the responsibility of shooting these pictures across the wire. Um, and I, it led me to the question, uh, I called up the local WMUR TV uh, radio sta uh, TV station, and I asked the manager, "Hey, uh, why don't you cover that George Bush is a member of the Trilateral Commission and the Council and the Council on Foreign Relations?" And his reply was this: "Randall, we'd love to, and I agree it should be covered, but the FCC would yank our license so fast it'd make your head spin. We'd be gone the next day." 
That stuck with me. Those were his exact words, by the way. So I made, I'll never forget them. <laughs> so I made more phone calls as, the, as months or years went by, uh, learning that the Federal Reserve wasn't exactly federal, and that the IRS's tax is based on voluntary complicity. And you hear that at the other end of the IRS, you hear dead silence, and you hear someone say that. And I said, what does that mean? Those kind of things kind of stick with you. So over the years, I did the long view research approach. Um, uh, I read, uh, read The Money Trust by Rep uh, Representative Charles Lindbergh. Um, his son flew across the Atlantic. None Dare Call It Conspiracy by Gary Allen. And The Creature from Jekyll Island by Edward Griffin. A side note about that author. When asked in a recent interview, how do you keep so well-centered? You seem at peace and well-composed. And after writing such a book on, based on nasty stuff, how do you do it? I, and his, his reply was, I decided a long time ago that I am not the material that I've written. I have a family life, I have a spiritual practice, and I separate the two. So I also listened to Dave Von Kleist, Alex Jones, and the late William Cooper, and personally got to know a fellow named Ed Brown, who was a constitutional ranger, look that up. Also in Sullivan County in New Hampshire, where I'm from, or was from. Um, all of them would throw up their hands, all these people, and basically say, wake the hell up. So Ed, in his offensive way, said to me once, before they took him away, locked him up, and threw away the key, said, it's all very good. You're, you're interested in this conspiracy stuff, but what are you actually doing about it? I took offense, and I was a bit spe uh, speechless. In retrospect, these guys, and a bit like our host back there, here tonight, may not have been gruff enough. There's a place for that. It's not my personal style, um, but it needs to be said. There's a full info war going on. It used to be funny saying things like this. If you're not on the fringe, you're taking up room. It's a free country as long as you do what they tell you. It's not so funny now, but I do keep my sense of humor. And because you can't make this stuff up. I used to call my research a hobby or a sideline. I would treat any conspiracy as the third rail on my blog, which I've been going on for 14 years now. I wouldn't touch it. Now, I don't care what people think. Maybe it took the mandates or Wellington, I'm not sure. Fast forward to uh, South Island Convoy, and we never planned to go all the way to Wellington, but after seeing those people in Ashburton, so many people on the sides of the road, the Christchurch overpasses, and rolling into that paddock, turned to campground, there's a few people that were there with us, in Christchurch, it was like Woodstock without the drugs. <laughs> People hugging each other, food, caravans, port popping up all over the place in the middle of a field. We didn't know what they were going to do. Then we got to the ferry in Wellington with my family and our fake antigen tests. Did I say that? <laughs> the lady behind the counter in Picton looked at us from under glasses at our fake tests. Did I say that? Back at us back at the test, back at us, an uncomfortable pause, and finally says, okay, you can get on the boat now. I felt like papers, please, you know, a bit. Day one, Wellington. I knew I had to dust off my reporter skills, although I'd been regularly doing my blog and reporting what I'd been seeing on the South Island before that. I clearly saw that this was going to be historic and it, need, it needed to be covered. I briefly had the absurd thought to call United Press International again and see if they needed me to cover any of this for them. <laughs> then I realized the absurdity of the thought. The idea. They'd only want me to cover what they want me to cover from a globalist point of view. So I decided to start a telegram channel and get back in the saddle of breaking news coverage. It's different than just doing interviews when you want. Instead of a slew of cameras around my neck, I now had a cell phone, lots of SD cards, and, a bat and battery packs. 
I interviewed lots of people, but I must have interviewed the wrong people. Um, I must have been over a target. Because the Telegram account got data wiped, my phone was remotely data locked. Uh, with effort, I was able to retrieve my interviews, but it took some clever IT work from a fellow here in Wanaka to get it back. I'm still in the process of rebuilding my own media empire. That's a dad joke, by the way. <laughs> so uh, why is eyewitness testimony gold? Because at times, there were up to 25,000 people on weekends at Wellington at the protest. And that's not counting the ebb and flow of people coming and going. They all saw one thing and then immediately saw the controlled media say another. A lot of it was captured on phones. The good news is, all those people went home to, to, and told family and friends what they saw. New Zealand is a small enough country that once you get Kiwis' attention, you get them riled up, news travels fast. It's not like that in the States, it's too big. So I'm very optimistic. We can't beat the media at their own game, but we can, what we can do is an end run around them. Of that, I'm sure, the truth will come out. Um, there are creative ways to do that, like Warren Stubbs, Warwick Stubbs, with his little handout cards, and collaboration between, between people that are telling stories and sharing their stories. As I speak, other freedom reporters are collecting stories and eyewitness testimonies, which are gold. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Randall. Aren't we in the company of some great people tonight? Yeah. Hey, just while you're thinking about that, you're, the person sitting next to you is probably great company as well. Why don't you just say hi to them if you don't know them, or just say, hey, you're flipping awesome for being here. <laughs> it's not speed dating, but hey. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> All right, our next speaker. Oh, well, you can also... Of course, say something. You said what we're hearing, you've got a son who was in Wellington? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. And so what's your name, my friend? Jane. Jane. Right. Hi, Jane. So, okay, so the Wellington protest, I would say, apart from giving birth, was one of the best days of my life. And um, <laughs> my grandfather was a um, young squadron in New Zealand, and I really got to feel like what it was, what the adrenaline and stuff from what he felt. So I went up to Wellington because my dad got the booster and he died. Um, so while we were up there, we went on, we were there from day two, seven, 14 and the last day. Um, the last day we were face to face with these, they weren't even police. They didn't have badges, they had green on them they were uh, security people or something else. And then the ones in right gear had the orange mark there. Um, and I could see that shit was about to go down, so we left. And then we went to... Are you able to just share the... Um, 
Right. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Okay, Thank sorry. you for being so spontaneous. But yeah, just one, one more little point. Right, okay. So, Leighton Baker, the traitor, was filming there at Frontline, and my son, um, one of the cops, female cops, freaked out. She dropped her baton, dropped her shield, and she ran away. And so my son um, grabbed the, the shield, as a 16-year-old would do, and held it up. And then Leighton said, oh, he's, he made a public statement, said he's stolen, all the young ones stolen the shield. So now the, the cops are now coming after him for um, theft and assault with a weapon. So now I've been, I've got very good advice and we've since trespassed the police who have been coming around like spying on where I live day and night. Um, so I've trespassed them from myself and my son. Um, and then Ima Tamariki got involved, and again we've trespassed. And so now he has, we've asked to do um, proof of claim, because under the Evidence Act they have, they can't just use Facebook as a frickin' evidence. So they've, um, we've now um, put them on on um, notice or whatever. So anyway, things have gone silent, but they are coming after everyone that is because they had the police with, with zoom and lens and things like that. They're coming after everyone that was on, at the protest. Thank you so much for being spontaneous. We are gonna to have to keep going, but I would um, suggest to anyone who is fascinated with this, and I so admire you for your strength and your, and your courage and your tenacity. So please be in touch. Jane, was it? Wonderful, thank you so much. Indeed, a round of applause for her for being so brave. Our lovely next speaker is Jen, Jen Rumor. In fact, she was the first woman, in fact, that I met in Wanaka when I moved here about five and a half years ago. Um, we met through yoga. We used to do yoga on the vineyard. It was wonderful. Um, she came and supported me at my book launch, and there were some, some coincidental meetups as well. And the most recent one was when we had the Trust Publishing guy come down, and we had an amazing event here in Wanaka. Um, it was called The Jab in the Dark, and that's where we last met. She, she started telling me stuff that I kind of didn't understand, but I thought sounded fascinating. So she's going to talk about that tonight. Um, Jen's wisdom for me when I first moved here, like I said, um, she said, you're doing well. If you get to live here in Wanaka for five years, you're doing really well. And I didn't kind of understand what that meant, but I survived it. Um, what she didn't say was, um, you know, if you survived it as well as the so-called pandemic that was going on, you'd be doing flippin', flippin' amazingly well. Because um, I think... I think the challenge of living in a small community, and many of us do live in small communities, um, is when we make a stand and when we have a voice, which all of us, I believe, anyone who's coming here tonight is that kind of person that wants to make a stand or is willing to make a stand and have a voice. Um, we are very obvious when we do that in a small community, are we not? Yeah. So, for example, when I was distributing this, the Counterspin Media posters around 14 or 15 different locations around Wanaka, I was pretty obvious um, doing that. Um, when we're rocking into the medical centres, for example, where's Garrick? 
Somewhere down there, so Garrick and I and Kaz, we sort of rocked up to the medical centres one day, serving papers and the likes. Well, when we walk into those two um, medical centres, we are very obvious, and the people or the patients who are in there know us, so we're just making a flippin' strong stand. Um, if we stand outside the police station like we did on the day after what happened in Wellington happened, um, we were up there and we were pretty vocal. Uh, the response was, we were pretty obvious, the response was they closed their curtains. Not one person, not one police person or whatever we'd like to call them uh, came out and were respectful to us. Um, when we walk around our sh normal sort of shopping spots, when we take around, for example, these posters of people who have been injured by the vaccine, uh, we're pretty obvious. And what I noticed when we walked up and down the street here in Wanaka is we got a lot of people who went like this. Many did not want to see us. But what I was encouraged by is that as we stopped at a couple of corners, people did look us in the eye and I could immediately see something was up and we stopped and talked to these people and they were indeed very, very grateful for us making the stand because they and their family were impacted. So, you know, like I say, we're very, very obvious. Also, I want to do a big shout out to um, Kaz and Greg. So when we walk past our local drinking hole, which some of us used to hang out in, um, in Wanaka and some of us know that place on the corner, um, it's... Uh, it's kind of obvious that when you walk past it every day and you used to drop in and then suddenly you're not dropping in, but they're still sort of going like, kind of like that, but saying nothing. This is just um, insane. Um, but back to, back to the lovely Greg. He um, and Kaz created what's called the Unjabbed Arms. It's our local pop-up pub. So if you don't know about that, we do it on a Friday night. We have the best, best pub ever ever, because we do it in beautiful locations. You know, we do it out near the lake, we are near the mountains. It's amazing. And what I particularly love about it is the conviviality of the people coming together, having a good time. Yes, we have a glass or two of wine and good things. Um, but it's really about really good, honest conversation, and we just adore that. Um, so we are visible, we are known, and we're definitely on a mission, are we not? Yes. yes. Now, Jen over here, um, she is also on a mission. Um, I'm just going to be intrigued by what she's going to say because I know she's very smart, she's very articulate. You are indeed, my love, um, and you give the best hugs ever. Um, the title of her talk is quite intriguing. It's D, None of the Above. And what I took from that, and I may or may not be right, but it's a bit like having a multi-choice sort of question in your school cert exam and, you know, what's the answer to or the, to solve the problem of blah, 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 and it's like A, nah. B, mm, probably not. C, definitely not. D, none of the above. And you go, oh, thank God, there's D. Yeah? Thank God. But that poses a different question, does it not? When you get to D and there's, you know, none of the above, what is the answer? So I'm intrigued what you're going to say tonight. I have no idea. Um, but I'm sure you've got some great answers and some wisdom for us. Well, the shortcut to the answer is the, it's 42. <laughs> Those of us who have done the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trip, we know that. <clears throat> so, um, gosh, there's so much that I, I could have said tonight. There's, you know, this is a broad, broad topic. But what I want to share with you is um, what I've come to in this journey as my conclusion for the moment. I've noticed that life seems to be a spectrum for just about everything. But relative to the way the government works and our awareness, I've noticed a spectrum too. So the spectrum seems to kind of go like this. I know how things work and things are fine and I know 
all is as it seems. There's another notch on the spectrum. Hmm, maybe not. Hey, I'm suppressed and I'm censored. Actually, I have no voice, not even via my vote. I need to infiltrate the system. Here's where I'm on the spectrum. We need to invent what works for our Earth and all she contains, and that's us as well. So, Mickey Sears made this fantastic movie, The Plandemic. And I happened to catch an interview with him, and one of the things that he talked about was, um, you know, even a non-corrupt democracy isn't, isn't gonna work. So as, as an organized way of working in society, it isn't gonna work. And if not, then what? And one of the hints that he gave was that he'd been reading a lot about Socrates and some of his points of view. So I'm going to be diving in there. And um, this is a conversation that I'd like to begin and explore, um, and that's where I fall on the spectrum now. And I'd like company. Great, great conversations are based in ideas, and we have to create this together. One of our big mistakes and how we've arrived here is we've allowed some idiot yahoos that are corrupt and horrible to, to do stuff for us and to do some thinking for us, and it's time to stop that now. So there's all these places on the spectrum of, actually, I'm suppressed and censored. Well, you know what? Somebody got off their bloody bomb and did a great thing about that. We're all here because of it. Thank you, Kelvin. Um, so we <clears throat> doing protests, doing uh, letters, doing phone calls, doing marches, it's all important. So if you find yourself on the spectrum, which is called, okay, we need to invent what works now. Let's, con let's have a conversation about that. Get in touch with me, you know, we'll create something. We'll begin it. That's my contribution. I've written a poem. We did it. We did it as we worked. We did it as we raised our young. We did it as we cooked the dinners, washed the dishes, did the laundry, cleaned the house, tidied the yard. We gathered, we shared, we marched, we researched, we tended. We wrote, we rang, we thought, and thought some more. We're doing it right now. Transforming the world to a place that works for all to thrive, the land, the total environment, and people. And very soon, we will embrace each other with joy and say, we did it. We love each other. We <laughs> She gives the best hugs ever. Honestly, us ladies need good pelvic hugs, I reckon, don't you think? <laughs> Too many of this sort of hug happening, for sure. Come on up, Deb, um, just so you're raring to go. Wonderful. Hey, while we're um, just getting Deb on stage, I want you to stand up for a moment, because it is time to stand up and get a bit of exercise and um, move that bum. Um, and what I want you to do is, you know, you're, you're in lines of six people, so to speak, on your side. I want you to just change seats with somebody in your row. Okay, you got like 10 seconds to do it, go. And on the way you could sort of say, hi, this is my name. You're doing a great job. Uh-huh, great energy, really good energy. Oh, we even have people coming to the front, that's exciting. So find yourself a new seat. All good. Hey,
look, there was a reason why I did that. And, um, you know, on, honestly, when we look at some issues in life and the media and whatever we're looking into, we often look at it from a certain perspective, from the place that we sit and that, that knowledge that we have, or the, the reason we look at stuff is because we're kind of interested in it or somebody's pointed us to there. And we see it from that perspective. And what I've learned during the last couple of years, and before that, but certainly in the last couple of years, is sometimes it's worth just changing seat and seeing something from that perspective. Or going, hey, I don't kind of know that perspective. Can you tell me about it? And what I'm finding personally is that that is really enlightening because it just allows the other person to, to give their point of view or to give their experience or to give something that I don't know but that I'm learning about and can kind of censor it in my own, yeah, censor it through my own filter system. Um, so that's um, something that I really like to do. Um, our next uh, lovely guest here is another lo lovely Wanaka lady. Um, so this is Deb. She's a life coach, and she has a particular interest in grief and trauma um, and helping people through some of that real hard stuff. Um, we shared um, the protest line down here on the waterfront, so we really got up close in person with some new friends. Isn't this a great thing that we're finding new friends? Yeah. Oh my goodness, sack some of the old friends, um, keep some of the new ones for sure. Um, we also sat together, um, so we had a VFF hui um, a month or two ago by memory, um, and we uh, looked at our focus of where we had been and where we were going, because we felt like there was a sort of turning point, pivot point there. And um, so what we decided that we would go um, less on the kind of protest rah, rah, rah front and going, how can we be creative now? What are we actually wanting to create? What are we wanting to build? What, um, how do we want to live in community? And so on and so on. So we've been, we've been really active here in Wanaka around that and got some amazing groups. So part of that is the health and healing group. And Deb, you're a, you're a healer, you're a life coach, so you're part of that. Um, we also have um, Kaz, who did the Wanaka Health Bridge. Who's familiar with the Health Bridge? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing, amazing protocols. Well, Kaz is in the house. She's amazing. Um, so definitely check that out, the Wanaka Health Bridge. Great protocols there and really, really um, bold moves that Kaz made um, alongside of some others to create that. And that certainly wasn't an easy path. Um, Deb, we also um, know you that you did a food, you were part of the garden tour. So um, part of that is learning how to, you know, create um, or, or grow vegetables and the likes and how to, how to have a garden moving forward. And you were part of that garden tour, which I wasn't part of, but I heard was really good. Um, but my question, getting back to Deb, who's into um, grief and trauma, was this, you know, what does trauma actually look like in our bodies when we're kind of barraged by all this stuff going on? And, you know, um, some of us may know something about trauma, but some may not be familiar with some signs and what can happen in our bodies. Um, but also, how do we stay calm? How do we calm and regulate our nervous system when there's all this frenzy happening around us? So um, let's hear it from you, Deb. Thanks for the introduction. So hello, friends. <laughs> My interest really is in um, helping people to regulate their nervous systems. I was abused as a child and carried a lot of trauma in my system, which showed up in my behavior, which was really quite unattractive um, most of the time, or a lot of the time. But, um, and I went to therapy for many, many years, but I was never really helped because we were just talking. And once I understood this piece about the body and how important the body is, it changed everything for me. So I really want to talk about um, the nervous system. There's basically three 
three states of our nervous system. And when we are activated, so the state that we hopefully are in a lot of the time is the parasympathetic, and that's when we're calm and alive. And our prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our mind that can think rationally and where we can evaluate information and allow it in, that's online. As soon as we are, um, our, our bodies tell us that something outside of us is, is dangerous, we go into fight or flight or freeze. And as soon as we go into fight or flight, there are certain things that biologically that happen in our bodies. And what I found really interesting two years ago is that I noticed that everyone was in trauma. Um, everybody was activated. The messages were one of fear, 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 and I definitely was in fear too. Um, so what I'm going to ask you to do is, if you, we're going to do a little exercise together. If you would just close your eyes right now, and then just notice what's happening in your body. Notice your rate of breathing. Notice your heart rate. Notice your mind. Is how active is it? Is it? Okay, so then open your eyes, and I'm going to read you something that I read two weeks ago. Um, and one of the things, that I'm always learning. I'm a, as a life coach, I'm fascinated with learning, and I've always got a program going. But the last two years feels like 50 years of learning has been condensed into one year. It's been so much being bombarded, bombarded, bombarded with all this information. Got to watch this. Got to learn this. I've turned to my husband and said, I can't learn anymore right now. I'm just overloaded. Um, so I'm going to read you something um, and just ask you to pay attention to what happens in your body as I read it. Some people are expecting the monkeypox scam to play out exactly like COVID with lockdowns and vaccine mandates for employment and venue. This is a mistake. The enemy has adjusted their strategy. Many will be caught off guard. Instead of the general lockdowns and mandates we saw during COVID, this time they'll track and trace extensively, targeting individuals and their contacts with long quarantines and ring vaccination. The psychology used will be formidable and much more difficult to resist. Many who refuse to comply in round one will fold. Ring vaccination means that anyone caught up in their contract tracing will be detained by specially trained teams, isolated, and pressured or forced to take the jab. The pressure that these teams apply will be extreme. The long quarantines will add an additional incentive to give in. When the only way to avoid extended house arrest and eventually quarantine cramp, camp is to accept the jab, compliance can be achieved without general mandates. This targeting and isolation of individuals is nefarious for a number of reasons. While general mandates and lockdowns tend to evoke widespread outrage, they know people won't take to the streets en masse if they aren't personally affected at the moment. They intend to pick you off one at a time, starting with the least resistant. Some of you might be wondering, how on earth will they be able to take this clown show to such extremes? After all, the monkeypox is very mild and only lasts a few weeks. However, the narrative is already being cultivated that there's something unusual about this particular strain. It's spreading faster than previous variants, and some of the symptoms are unusual. Those of you who have been paying attention know that this is a cover for the side effects of COVID vaccination. There are a multitude of autoimmune skin issues showing up that look like pox, and with immune systems decimated, the vaccinated are experiencing a resurgence of latent vir viruses, with shingles being one of the most common symptoms. Since diagnosis comes down to a fraudulent PCR test, all of this can be attributed to monkeypox. Here's where it gets really nasty. The long-term side effects of the initial COVID jabs are just beginning to reveal themselves and all-cause mortality among the vaccinated is already becoming impossible to hide. 
What this means is that while COVID started as a bad flu and ended up as a mild cold, monkeypox will may be made to look like it's evolving into something absolutely horrific. People will get sick and stay sick. Others will die suddenly. The fear this will generate and the resulting mass psychosis will make you miss the good old days of COVID. The food and energy shortages that are kicking off at the same time are an important part of the equation. Not only will rationing give those in power far more leverage, malnutrition and cold will also weaken the population physically and make them more susceptible to disease. Electricity and internet blackouts will make it much harder to organize resistance and will provide cover for the worst abuses. There'll be no fuel for vehicles soon, and you can only walk so far when you're starving. This ends in war. I can tell you what happened when I read that. I had a visceral reaction, and I'm a pretty aware person. This is only one piece that I read, and, and it took me four or five minutes, and, and of many thousands and thousands and thousands of other articles and videos and things I see and things I hear, and they create a reaction in my body. And if I'm not aware of what's happening in my physical body, I'm not going to be able to respond instead of react. So people that have been triggered into fear, and, whether, and, and it's not necessarily, you might not be feeling fear, but if you start to notice one of the symptoms in fight or flight is monkey mind. Your mind will start being anxious. You'll start to worry. You'll start thinking a lot. It happens to me all the time when I, you know, when I go into that place. I'm very, very familiar with it. Your heart rate will accelerate. You'll t your body will tense up. Your um, breathing will become shallow and, and more rapid. Those are all signs that your physical body is telling you that you are in danger. Your prefrontal cortex turns off. You cannot think rationally. That's why it's impossible to talk to people that are on the other side. They, they cannot think. And if the government continues to keep them in fear, we can't, we can't make sense to them. So I'm going to ask you now to close your eyes again and just notice did anything change in your body when you heard that? Yeah. That's how powerful reading and seeing and seeing these things are. So it's really, really important to start paying attention to our bodies. Now, what can we do about it? There's a whole bunch of things we can do about it. Um, and that's the really positive thing, and that's the thing I really, really enjoy. So I know how to do these things for myself. Um, and I'm also going to say that I intend to do some workshops regarding um, this in the next couple of weeks. So if you're interested, please send me an email. Email is really simple. It's my name, Deb Kolb, D-E-B-K-O-L-B, at hotmail.com. If you tell me that you're interested, I'll get you on a mailing list. And I'm intending to hold workshops probably with eight to ten people at a time, an hour and a half to two hours. And I can show you things and give you information that help you understand the biology so that you can help yourself regulate your nervous system to stay in a, in a place where you can be calm and you can think rationally. We're going to really, really need that in the days coming. So what do you do? All the practices I'm going to mention help regulate your nervous system. So the very first thing is social engagement. What does that mean? It means we get together like this. We get together with people who are present, who are in their hearts, who are loving, who are caring. Often I have a client come who is really upset, and one hour later, and it has nothing to do with talking, one hour later they'll say to me, I can't believe how good I feel. 
That's co-regulation. It's something that happens in our bodies physiologically. When we are around other people that are in fear, we go into fear. When we're around other people that are present and regulated, have a regulated nervous system, it calms our nervous system. So time with other people is essential. That's what isolation was about and lockdowns. So wanted to separate us from each other. Hugs are wonderful. So physical contact, and being with people, holding hands, just even being in physical proximity, you don't have to be touching. Um, take a break from it all. I remember VFF at Christmas time, I was so involved with all of this. They're like, you know what, you can take some time off and it'll all be here when you come back. <laughs> it was very true, it was. In fact, it was worse when I got back. But So take some time away. Don't, become, don't allow yourself, like I, I put a limit on myself. I can tell when my nervous system's getting activated and I just go, time to take a break. And what do I do? Go outdoors. Grounding is so important. The ground in nature, helps regulate our nervous system. So go outdoors, spend time outdoors in nature. Put your, I love my, we don't have flowers at the moment, but I commune with my flowers and I tell my flowers how beautiful they are. So just even today, I just went out and looked in the, um, in the wood chips for the mushrooms that are all growing right now. It's fascinating. It was cold, but it was really gorgeous. So time outdoors is essential. Um, mindful movement. So when our systems get get activated, um, that didn't activate mine. When our systems get activated, if we move our bodies, because it activated means fight or flight, our bodies have got energy that needs to be expended, um, do some movement, yoga, walks, um, stretching, bike, hike, sing and dance. I have danced more in the last two years than I've ever danced before. I dance pretty much every day and I sing out loud, which I never had the courage to do before. I won't expose you to it. Um, but I turn on the music and I pretty much dance every single day now, just even if it's for five minutes, I've got some favorite songs. My husband's great with music. Um, Cold water immersion. I'm struggling with this one at the moment. Um, <laughs> Wim Hof method. On his website, if you haven't heard of him, Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F, he's got some free videos. And cold water immersion is wonderful, not only for your immune system, but it regulates your nervous system. I'm doing it in the shower at the moment. Um, I did get down to the river a while ago. Um, I have a friend who spends 10 minutes in there. She's just, she's wonderful, I love her. I haven't seen her recently. I know when I do, I'll be out with her with her. But cold water immersion, really great for re regulating your nervous system. Practice gratitude, practice gratitude, just so important. And it's so important to feel joy and to laugh and to play, absolutely essential. And then somatic exercises, and those are exercises that help your body, not your mind, your body have a felt sense of safety and a felt sense of support. That's what I intend to, to, to help people to learn in the, in the workshops that I'm gonna do. So please, if you have any interest in this, um, give me an email and we'll get something sorted. If you don't live in Wanaka, I'm happy to do some Zooms too. So thank you. Isn't she just a live wire? She just is the living example of these oh, amazing things that she's teaching. Um, I tried that Wim Hof after talking to you last, Deb, um, and honest to God, I did it in my shower. I would, don't know if I'll ever do it again, but you never know. Um, I could have got a little bit calmer, I'm not sure. Um, come on in, Heather. 
So I met Heather all of um, a couple of days ago on the phone. So this is the first night that we've actually, you know, seen each other. But it's great to have you here, Heather. Um, so apparently you, Heather, are a local gal. Um, grew up in Makarora, I believe, on a sheep and beef station. Is that correct? Yes. And have some land out there. Um, so apparently um, Heather... So first and foremost, she has a great website, www.aag ag.org.nz um, and that stands for Ag Action Gatherings. Um, so they share some common concerns, I believe. Um, so you know, and you're about to tell us, and not that we don't know already, but the government has the motive and the means to take away all uh, that we have, essentially land, water, farms, freedom, health, and our livelihoods. Yep. Is that what you're going to preach on, sister? Yes. I hope so. Ag also stands for Agenda. Um, so so um, you share um, some common concerns that many of us have about the um, WEF and United Nations um, and the deceit of our, you put in the adjective, government um, that we have at the moment. Um, you have been on the road for... About 19, 20 months. Wow. Um, on and off. So at her own expense, apparently, um, travelling New Zealand and speaking hardcore truths to the rural sector. Um, so she too, or you, Heather, um, are also encouraging us to gather as people like we are tonight um, and to be proactive in finding solutions before um, even more of the shit hits the fan. So take it away. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, thank you, everybody involved with giving people a voice. Everybody involved, Janelle and team with us here, Counterspin, their team. Every single one of you who's making a comment, being brave enough to say something to anybody, you can be doing something little, you can be doing something big, but when we add that up, the power that we need, the answers that we need are sitting here in this room tonight, and they do not want us to know that we... Don't you like using those that word people, and I'll tell you why later, but we, the living men and women of this land, have all the power and all the answers. And they have worked, as been mentioned, to isolate us, to deceive us. And so what I'm going to do is try and just drop a few pretty strong truths in, shoot a few sacred cows, give you a really brief introduction to living law, which I believe is the total answer um, to what we're facing is and how you can stop what they're trying to do to us. We've heard, and man, you know, I'm quite used to absorbing negative information, but boy, so did I get a reaction when you read that <laughs> flippin' thing. I was like, not on my watch. Um, so we just need to stand together, grow our courage, and there's so many things we can do. They don't want you to know how close we are to turning the tide. They don't want you to know how many people are actually awake, although a lot of them are still sitting on the fence. I've done somewhere between 130 and 140 talks around the country, 45 of those at least in the North Island, majority in the South lately, because I won't cross the ditch. But let me stress, I am nothing special. I grew up on a farm near here, in the Wap Waps, nine kids at primary school, scared of life, bumbled through life going, shit, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. And a couple of years ago, um, I was totally challenged to step up and I actually stood for election with the NZPP slash Advance NZ, the conspiracy theorists, and I hate politics, I've never followed it, Going doing political thing was the last thing I wanted to do, but I felt that the creator was talking to me in my spirit and saying, you understand what's coming. If you want to do something, stand up. And so even when I talk to you tonight, I take no responsibility. I go, okay, Lord, I'm going to rock up, open my mouth, you speak. And don't believe what I say. Check it out. Please check it out. 
but know that our window of time is short and we really need to be standing together, growing our balls, so to speak, and stepping up to do what you need to do. If you wake up in the morning and you're still breathing, you ain't done what you're here to do yet. And we need to realise that. We need to realise that time is short and there's some real key indicators where we can see that time is short. Now, that alarming... Um, reading about the future they would like to see. Yeah, there is a really horrendous future that they would like to bring into reality for us, but we have the total power, eh, Jen, to create what we want. We just need to stop abrogating our responsibility and giving it to others and take charge now and don't wait for the axe to fall. You know what you want, step into it now. Start seeing it happen in your community. They have isolated us and they've centralised everything. Local community, looking after each other. We have everything we need to survive. We have all the skills. We have all the food we need locally. But they will shut that down. They will continue to engineer food shortages. You know, there's talk about, oh, in Indonesia now there's foot and mouth scare and look out, it could come to New Zealand and monkeypox this and the new, the new um, long COVID effect of myocarditis and pericarditis. Bollocks. You know, there's so much deception. Everything you see on mainstream media, media is pretty much 180 degrees inverted. Stop watching and listening because that is, even if you know it's bollocks, when you listen to it, pay attention to your body, you get angry, you get fearful. You know, every now and then just read a couple of headlines to see what they're up to, but don't expose yourself to that brainwashing and get together in your local community. Now, um, one thing I'm really grateful for when I spent my 10 weeks um, on the election um, journey was that I realised, thank God, I got a real good inside view, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the political system is broken and corrupt beyond hope in this country. If you're thinking we'll just vote for someone else next year, think again. Every single political party is compromised. Even if you got good people in there, they do not have the power to change anything. They are puppets of the globalists. The World Economic Forum, Jacinda and Grant attended that in 2019, and the um, flavour of, of the yearly conference was the Great Reset, although Grant Robertson denies all knowledge of it. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, the World Economic Forum is the most wealthy and influential corporates and people in the world. So you've got the IMF, the World Bank, you've got countries, prime ministers, you've got everybody going there with the clout to say, this is what we're going to see happen, this is what we'll see happen. The good old, it's the year 2030, I own nothing and I've never been happier. Rubbish. So um, I'm going to wave a few things around, because sometimes if you see it, it does become more real. So. Um, Dave and Ray are just going to hand down the rows. If you want to take one of these, the things I'm saying, you'll find more information. That's got my website and the Rumble channel. And particularly when I touch on living law, even if you click on the Counterspin um, website from the third, the, I got like 30, 35 minutes, sorry, Hannah, um, just about had to drag me off the stage at Henley, but I got to talk a lot more about living law. And I don't have time to drop much in, but honestly, Spent the first nine months travelling around the country making pretty much the rural sector aware of how they're going to be totally decimated legislatively. And, but I was constantly saying, well, I don't want to just bring the bad news. It's got to be a tool of what we can do. I've found that tool, I believe, 100% with living law. And then you can use that to stop them squashing you with their 
let me give you an example. Our government is total fraud. It has been since 1986 when the government of New Zealand was corporatised. It's not a government. It's a company called Her Majesty the Queen and Right of New Zealand. Nothing to do with the Queen of England. That's a red flag. It's um, registered on the US Security and Stock Exchange. That means every single government department is a corporation, whether it's the police, the judicial system, WINS, IRD, ACC, they're all corporations. Guess what? A corporation only has authority over other legal entities, i.e. pieces of paper. A paper title, not your actual land, has no authority over things of substance. Something of substance is something living. A living man or a living woman, the real whenua, the soil, the birds, the plants, the trees. So how do they have authority over us? Well, because we hand it away, because we don't realise. One thing they do is they corporatise our name at birth, so if you're identifying as your full legal name, that's been corporatised. So you're then a corporation and they then have authority over you that can administer your affairs. If you look at any of the acts, acts tell you the word, um, exactly what it is, because a corporation cannot write and enforce statutes and acts, because they're a corporation. First sentence, if you look up any act, COVID Act, Policing Act, Income Tax Act, First page, it says this act binds the crown. Really? Are you the crown? Or are you a living man or woman? And so, to me, there's several names for living law. Please don't confuse it with common law. It's not. It's sometimes called law of nature, L-O-R-E. It's sometimes called God's law, L-O-R-E, or living law. I like living law because I look at it and I go, living or dead, of substance, alive, or a corporation, a fictitious, a legal entity. Living man has created a whole bunch of legal systems, common law, tort law, admiralty law, you name it, contract law, they're all systems, L-A-W, created by man. But if you're standing there as a living man, no paper system can take away your inalienable human rights, you're born free with the right to travel, etc., etc. So as soon as we expose, if you're pulled over and told that you've done an offence under um, the Traffic Act, if it's called the Traffic Act. Can you please call that up on your phone, officer? Yes, what's the first sentence? This, sentence, this Act binds the Crown. That's interesting, am I the Crown? So you look for the fraud. As soon as fraud is exposed, that makes a contract null and void. So unless you are believing you are your corporate name and presenting yourself as a corporate, when you're asked for ID, if you hand over your um, driver's licence or your passport, it's got your corporatised name on it, surname and capitals. So as soon as you do that, you're under their jurisdiction and they do have power over you. So we're tricked into consenting. Guess what? They also hide what they're doing in plain sight. Movies, books, 1984, um, The Handmaid's Tale, all those things which talk about the dystopian future they want us to be in, and our silence is consent. Some of the proof, okay? Go home, look at your birth certificate. At the bottom, because that's your corporatised name, at the bottom it says in fine print, this document is not to be used as ID. Interesting, we have to use it as ID to open a bank account, get a driver's licence, get a passport, get a benefit. So if we're not allowed to use it as ID, what is it? And then it says under that, if you, know that if you use this document as true, knowing it to be false, you're liable for prosecution for fraud under the 1961 Crimes Act. Interesting, so once I know I'm a living man or woman, not a corporate entity, if I present that as my ID, they can do me for fraud. Interesting. 
Why do they tell us what they're doing in advance? Number one, they think it's hilarious because they think they, the global elite, are super smart and we're stupid. But B, they also feel it lets them off if they have told us what they're doing, even if it's only a movie or a whatever, and we do nothing. Silence is consent. So it lets them off from any consequence, they believe. So um, on our website, we've got a heap of information. Now, some of that information, this is the 38-page Pfizer safety data, which was um, ordered to be released in the US court findings. Now, the last nine pages are back-to-back, medical condition after medical condition, pretty much all of them lethal, from multiple organ failure through herpes, through myocarditis, pericarditis. Serious, serious conditions adds up to 21,000, when you look at these stats, people who, who suffered those. Now, the reason they were not included in the safety data is they were not classified as adverse reactions. They were classified as adverse reactions of special interest. When it's classified as that, it goes on Pfizer's private database and is not included in the safety um, analysis. So that's how they committed fraud to keep, to say that this is safe. So I got sent that, which is on the website. This other thing I'm clutching is the United Nations Agenda 21 2030, 351 pages, mind-boggling. The, the lovely sounding 17 Sustainable Development Goals, pure market spin. What are they meaning when they say a sustainable future? What do they say in here is unsustainable? Roading, private ownership of motor vehicles or businesses or homes, irrigation, the family unit, all unsustainable. These won't be here by 2030 is what they're aiming for. How can they say we're going to have zero road toll by 2050? Because nobody will have a car and there'll be no fuel. So it's very achievable. They're so smart in how they rig things. And they constantly manipulate the stats to lie to us and bring in this insane legislation which will demolish our rural sector because they want there to be no food. They want there to be a food shortage and also in their plan there will be no peasants on the land because it's too important, stated in here. It needs to be owned by the state and big corporations. Link on our website to Klaus Schwab's book about how they've used COVID to accelerate the, the um, world economic collapse. Have a quick browse. He's so blatant. He refers to us as the bottom feeders, the useless parasites. We are seen by the global elite as cockroaches who need to be exterminated. It's pretty hard to get your head around. You wake up every morning and go, really? That is a psychopathic mindset, and that is what these people are. The genocidal jab is just another example of it. These guys have no compassion, no empathy, no sympathy. Um, and so... Thank you. Oh, I've got to stir you guys up, because we're going to go out of here and we're going to change the bloody world. So, um, and it's about time. So I mentioned the word people. So the other clever thing they do in their legislation is they use stuff and terms which we in our common conversation understand to mean one thing and it's different. Let's take the word mandate, mandatory. We would think that means compulsory, right? It's mandatory, it's compulsory. When you look up the meaning in a legalese, legal dictionary, and this is a fifth edition because the explanations are a bit clearer and then they start to confuse you on the later editions, it says for ma uh, mandate, it's recommendation. Oh, mandate, yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. Um, so, yeah, they, a mandate in here is a recommendation made by the governing body, which is um, gratuitous 
meaning voluntary. But what's the kicker in the pants? So in le legally, under the Admiralty law system, it's voluntary, but if 75% of the population comply, it can become a law. So they use a word that we believe means one thing and act accordingly, and actually, in legalese, it means something different. The word people, like the COVID Act tells you people must wear a mask or social distance or whatever. We think people means us. People in legalese means corporation. So it's only those people who are still identifying under their corporate identity, which is why the Act says this Act binds the Crown. Because if you're presenting as a living man or woman, they do not have legislation um, authority over you, or unless you consent, i.e. bullied, coerced. But that actually is fraud, which makes the contract null and void. So when you understand your power, when you stand as a living man or woman, and you do it with the people around you, you can say, no because we have the superior jurisdiction, sui juris, not under the power or guardianship of another as a living man or woman, standing in those unalienable human rights, the Magna Carta rights. And so I've got some info on the website. Now, if you want, up until this point, I'm gonna start putting my teachings openly up on the Rumble channel and the website, but I've had to wait because that puts a big target on my back till enough people know to look. But I have spoke pretty clearly in that Henley talk I did with the Counterspin platform a week ago. So look that up if you want to know more, then jump on the website for some bones. Contact me, I will come and teach a group of two to 200, but there are groups the length of this country doing really great stuff and already creating that future we want for our kids. So we just need to step up and start to do it now. Know who you are, people. Step up in it. The future is ours, and we do not go into that crap they've intended for us because we, the living men and women of the land, know what we want, and we're going to make it happen. Thank Whoa, you. what a powerhouse. <laughs> Heather, you are so inspirational. My homework is to go home and learn about living law. Anyone else got homework? Yeah, yeah a fair few of us. Um, and we know where to go to, www.aag.org.nz or via the counterspin circles. Um, our next speaker is Robin, just while Robin's kind of coming on up. Um, she's from Alexandra, so good on her for coming up here tonight with a couple of others, I believe. Um, just on that note, being from somewhere else, um, just stand up again, just to um, loosen up that bottom of yours. Stand up again. I want you to turn to someone behind you this time and say, where are you from? Just get to know them. Wonderful. So I'm sure we're not just New Zealand represented. Who's from another country in the world? Let's go Switzerland. I know there's someone from Switzerland. Yeah, Germany. Where else? Call it out. Fiji. Wonderful. Bula, bula. We need a bit of your heat. Okay, take a seat, everyone. I'm glad you got to meet someone new. Talking about speaking someone new, um, again, Robin, I just met uh, over the phone um, this week, I believe, uh, or maybe last week. Um, she just rang me to confirm that the time had changed for this. So good on you for accepting that whole time change and uh, what have you. Um, so when I was talking to Robin on the phone, um, soon into our conversation, she mouthed these words. 
What the fuck have I got to live for now? <laughs> now, I personally didn't even... Yeah, what the fuck, yeah. yeah. I did not like hearing that come out of a beautiful woman who I hadn't met, but what the fuck have I got to live for now? That is deeply concerned. It really concerned me. I felt incredibly sad, and I also get some of what you, what had led you to say those words. And what I said to Robin in that moment, because I really paid attention to those words, were they, they were the exact words that another friend of mine in her mid-60s had said to me over the phone too. I find that really alarming, and what I found um, particularly alarming was knowing that you in your 70s, I believe, have had a life where you've cared for kids, I believe some of it on your own, fellow mums on their own, but, um, you know, paid your dues, been out there giving, doing community stuff, um, and I um, just think it's so unfair, it's so unjust that people like yourself have done such or had such a, a big life, but the last couple of years has absolutely transformed many, many things. Retirement, I believe, is not what you expected. And um, Robin is so generously going to share with us um, something around that. Um, so I'm gonna call her the rebel rocking retirement lady. Um, and she's gonna give us a, a little course 101, um, let me get it right, on, um, the how-tos or how-not-to get the local policeman popping around to your house with a two-year trespassman notice from going into the jewellery shop saying what you said. <laughs> Give it up for the rocking rebel grandma. Um, those last speakers are a bit hard to follow, but I, I can just talk from my heart. Um, I call my speech the daily, daily nightmare. Um, most people, if they have a nightmare, they wake up in the middle of the night and then they realise it's all just a dream and they settle down and go back to sleep. When I get up in the morning, my nightmare starts. Um, about September last year, I realised that the jab pressures were, were, were ramping up and I went to my doctor and I discussed it with her and because I'd been crying for two months. Um, didn't know what to do. I was sitting on the fence and I didn't know which way to go, but my gut feeling was telling me, just don't do it. Don't do it. Um, so I fumbled through the next few months and my son in Queenstown won't speak to me. I'm not allowed to see or talk to my only grandson, my only grandchild, in case I do him harm. I've lost most of my friends. One of my friends said, oh, we don't want you in our property. You haven't been vaccinated. Uh, another one said, we can't teach, have you here around teaching you mahjong. Um, I don't, I, I had to give up my sport, uh, my patonk, and I actually helped build that patonk piece with hard physical work with the rest of the men. Um, my neighbours, uh, one of my neighbours who used to come home over and have a drink with me every week or a couple of weeks, uh, came over and I said to him, please don't tell anybody around here I'm not vaccinated because I knew I knew what the attitude was, and I, I live in a body corporate with 22 units. Uh, so he came over about three or four weeks ago and had a, brought a beer over with me. I thought, I'm not mentioning COVID. And he started talking about what he sees on the news. And then he went on about Wellington and those dirty sods up there and how the police, blah, blah, blah. And 
I just, I just said that's lies. I said that's all on Channel One. Yeah, that's what you watch, and it's not true. And uh, he said, well, how would you know? And I said, well, I actually went there. I said I was there. <laughs> Thank you. And, I, and he was absolutely shocked. You didn't tell me you were going. I said, I didn't have to. And he said, so you feel that strongly about it? I said, yes, I do. I said, I am so proud of myself for not being vaccinated. I'm so proud of my son in Auckland who went down to Wellington for not being vaccinated and for standing strong and believing in what he believes in. And I'm so proud of all my new friends that I've met, including all of you. I'm so proud of you that we've all stood strong together because it hasn't been an easy journey. So he thought it his duty to tell the rest of the people in the, in the village. Um, as a result, well, as a result of COVID, um, they em two people on the committee emptied the swimming pool. We've got a big 21 by 10 swimming pool. Been filled three weeks. They had to empty it because of COVID, uh, even though they, surely people know that COVID doesn't live around chlorinated water. So for the one and a half of those beautiful months that we had, February, March, we didn't have a swimming pool, and it was just sitting there empty. Um, so, yeah, um, I had two really good friends earlier on, Shirley, up in, my friend up in near Wakatani, and my other friend in Christchurch. We held on to each other. We had regular calls. We whinged, we moaned, we cried together. Uh, we helped each other. Shirley was very, very depressed and was about to jump off the bridge. But we got through, and um, she found it very difficult living on a property with her family who were all jabbed, and she had no one to talk to, so we talked to each other. So my time in Wellington, um, Jen and I decided to go to Wellington, and uh, we went up with our VAX passes <laughs> and their rapid antigen negative tests <laughs> and explained to the people that their, their scanners must be wrong, there must be something wrong with them, because... Uh, um, I, I was absolutely amazed at that. Um, I still remember a nun in her full, full garb, full, full habit, playing basketball with the lads in the basketball hoops right underneath the, the um, beehive. It was just great. An old lady I met, she was in a wheelchair. She'd been down three times. And she'd had somebody bring her down from Foxton, I think. And she was the only person in her rest home out of 260 that wasn't jabbed. And she wasn't allowed to use any of the facilities there, even though she paid for them. She was 94 years old. And that was sad. And that was the day, that was the time I lost all respect for the police. You know, these people were there having fun, uh, enjoying each other's company for a purpose. And those police were just bullies. Every night about, or every day about three, four o'clock, they'd put on all their riot gear and they'd stomp down the street and there was nothing going on but they needed something for the six o'clock news, I believe. So, Jen and I had a great time, eh, Jen? It was great. Um, nobody can take that away from me. Nobody will take that experience away from me. Uh, we came up to, my friend and I came up to Wanaka and went into a shop, had a look at some clothing, the one opposite New World. And we left there and we went around the front and my friend said, look at that. And here's the lady in there spraying the shop where we had been standing. <laughs> I stepped into the shop and I said to her, are you spraying the shop because we were in here? And she said, I can spray it if I want to. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, um, my friend was given some money by her husband to go and buy herself a nice birthday present. So she went into Jamie Jewelers on Alexandra 
to get something nice, and she was challenged about her mask and her mask exemption about the legitimacy of it. And it turned into a not a very nice experience, so she walked out and not bought anything, didn't buy anything. So I went in a few days later, I wanted to go and perhaps look at a nice gold bracelet or something, and I had a young chap in our group with me. And we walked in and she challenged me about my mask and she commented that she hadn't had COVID in the shop. And I said, well, you're very lucky because half of Alexandra's had COVID. <laughs> and I started explaining about the mask and the exemptions and et cetera. And this other chap said something, but I didn't hear what he said and she kicked him out. She said, you get out, get out. So he left and he was standing at the open door and I was trying to explain and I was thinking, this isn't going to turn out very good. So I left and he and I chatted away and then we went home. Two nights later, I, uh, he gave me a, sent me a text to say that he'd just been delivered a trespass notice for, for the jeweller shop by the police. Ten minutes later, I get a knock on the door and I didn't open the door, I did the, the right thing, I didn't open the door, half past six, dark at night, and I said, who's that? And he said, it's the police. And I said, what do you want? And he said, I've got something to deliver to you. And I thought, oh, here we go. So I pulled the curtain up and I opened the window, turned the light on, and I said, how do I know you're the police? As he stood there in his uniform. <laughs> <laughs> and he showed me his thing and he's pulled his badge out and the police car was sitting right outside my property. <laughs> It was fairly conclusive, but anyway. <laughs> he had my wrong name, he had my, an incomplete address, I have no idea, he showed me my photo on the camera, it came out of the, out of the jeweler shop. So I got served a trespass notice, and told me that if I go, <laughs> told, <laughs> told me if I go back in two years, I'd either get a thousand dollar fine, or uh, three months in jail, and I said, well, could I please choose three months in jail, because it'd be, <laughs> be cheaper than living at home. <laughs> So, um, just one other, <laughs> I've never been served a trespass order in my life before. Um, I, I, and I went to a computer course a couple of weeks ago, and there was an elderly lady there, she must have been in her 80s, and she was beautifully dressed. No mask, she sat beside me, no mask. A woman came in and said, oh, I'm not sitting beside anybody who hasn't got a mask on. And this poor old lady got up and felt she had to leave. And I said, well, I'm not going, I'm staying. And she went home, and she never attended that class again. And I said to the two tutors, I said, you've got some damage control to do. I said, that little lady came into this class, she was beautifully dressed, she probably got up and had her shower, and came to new learn something new, and probably a social outing for her, and that's how she's treated. I was just disgusted. Anyway, I'll finish off, but I just want to say that I have made a lot of new friends and some real friends. I now realise that the friends that I had weren't real friends, because real friends don't do that to you. They stick by you, they accept your difference. And we, have, we created uh, a lovely community out at Clyde with uh, the coffee bar out there, the Recharge coffee bar, where Gareth has also been through a lot of hardships having WorkSafe visit him quite regularly and not for coffee. <laughs> and he's been so good to our, to our community, hasn't he? You know, he's just been very, very good. And he's, yeah, he's been through a lot of hardships too. So if you go through Clyde, go and have a coffee with Gareth. He'd love to see you. So thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs>
isn't she just delightful? Does everyone want her as grandma for their, grand, for their kids and stuff? Um, and I think that's really true. I know for me, who have, uh, have, I have a lot of children and I have grandchildren as well. And, um, you know, I just think as a, as a society, we're so distant from people and we kind of need our surrogate mothers and fathers for some of our kids or, or surrogate grandparents for our kids, don't you think? And I just know that the community that I'm part of now, I just know that they are people that I really, really super care about. And that's what you were saying, Robin, hey? The friends that you have now uh, are the ones to hang out with. Is that not right? Cool. Well, that is, um, so we had six speakers tonight, but I have had another two sort of um, thrown on me. Are we up for two short ones more? Yeah, we're all good? Oh, awesome. Let's um, bring up Steve and Kim. Come on up, you two. Give them a round of applause as we're coming up, and we'll find out a little bit about them. And then just following their very, very brief talks, we'll get um, Calvin and Hannah back on. Come on through, you two. Shall we toss a coin, or shall we just go... Boys or girls? Which one? <laughs> We've had a lot of girl power tonight, have we not? We've had a lot of that. So I think perhaps you should come on, sir. Come on over. So I don't know much about you, uh, Steve. Is that your name? Steve, sh 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 some interesting name at the end. What's your name, my friend? Come on over. We'll have a little chat. So we've got Steve here. Where are you from, Hello Steve? Hello there, Janine. Oh, I'm from Janelle, Vicargo. Janelle, actually, but, Janelle. you know, we could go I'm from Vicargo, and I've come up here this evening because I've heard about your wonderful community. What have you heard about us? Oh, you're That's worthwhile true. meeting. There you go. <laughs> We're totally worthwhile meeting. Now, Fantastic. I just got two little um, words, I believe, from um, Dana, one of the organisers. You're apparently an entrepreneur. Is that true? Correct. And an activator of ideas or something along that line? Yes, sir. Yes, Great. Miss. Well, you have five minutes from now to right. tell us your stuff. Let's okay. Go. Well, firstly, I just wanted to say I have come from Invercargill and uh, just to come up and meet you because you're so fantastic, I've heard. And uh, on the way here, I discovered a whole bunch of heritage apples and I picked eight, uh, four buckets of them and they're down the back there. If you want apples, I'd like you to take them as a sign that there's an abundance out there. And uh, apparently they came from some heritage trees just out of Cromwell. And I just stumbled across these beautiful people and said, hey, can I pick heaps of apples and take them to a meeting tonight? And, and how are you? Yeah, so there you go. And, and tonight I, I actually wrote a prophecy of, of sorts. And uh, I wrote this on the way here. And I wanted to share it with you. And it's, uh, I hope it's well received. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share this with you and then hand over to Kim. We're on a journey. Invite people in. Well, all of us need to feel a stronger freedom. We're entering into a time of newfound unity and community, a new calmness, more efficient, rhythm, times where all our basic needs are met and the needs of those in our care. This means productivity, adoption of fresh perspectives, and laying down false responsibility. It means letting go and repositioning, efficiency over obligation. We now see that the world is changing and we are transforming it. Yes, you and me. We are the bringers of peace and the new ways forward. You and I are the leaders of unity. We are the visionaries, the creative, the open-minded, the well-researched, those who ask questions, people who have decided to care more for well-being and freedom, we're coming together. We are shifting their dynamics. We go for what we truly believe in. It is time to create, motivate, enterprise and rise. We love clean water, to know where we came from, to know where our food came from 
and to design our future society, our education, the way we work. We love freedom. Our challenge is to bring people together, to empower each other, to believe, to align, to set our minds to be positive and encouraged. It's worth stepping out of the old world to step into the community that is being designed by the very people who, who are you stepping into it with. Set a new pathway forward. Journey with each other. People need love, unity, inspiring experiences. Step out to be invited in. And I just want to encourage you guys that uh, we, don't, we don't actually need to focus on these people who have got a big plan to, to build a control-based society because you are more. And you have far more in you than you understand. And I also just want to thank these amazing people for putting on uh, a whole bunch of stickers on their freaking buses <laughs> and for jumping into them and driving around the country and opening up for people to share the love. Because there's a reason why you guys are here and that's because I believe that you are to do something that aligns with this prophecy. Believe in yourselves and keep on going strong. You guys are so awesome. Well, Steve, what I see in you, Steve, is an absolute strength of character. You know, that's what I see in you, brother. And uh, thank you for coming up. And I think that's very prophetic and profound. Thank you so much. Come on over, Kim, as well. I think you might want to take the short mic, shall we? Shall we do a little swapsy? <laughs> Kim. Are we on? Okay. Yep. Are we still on? Yeah, we are. Um, so Kim is actually a friend from Auckland who moved down to Queenstown, I believe. How many years ago now, Kim? Two. Two years ago, she came and saw the light down here, which is wonderful. Um, she popped into a, the jewellery store where I do my day job um, today, and she said, oh, I'm going off to this event tonight, so, you know, come on in, I said. Um, so it's great that you're here to talk. Um, I know you from Art of Health and your beautiful, amazing holistic health work um, that you do with people, and uh, you're going to talk, actually, some words that resonated um, from you, I wrote them down, new unity and community, I liked those um, words, also I liked enterprise and realise, but re, uh, new, new unity and community, and I believe you want to talk tonight about what true community is, is that correct? Wonderful, go Kim, give it to us. Thank you. So I have to say, I'm really nervous, um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, a, I always get nervous when I'm speaking, but B, because I'm a little concerned that maybe when I start talking about what I'm going to say is that you might think in your minds, well, I'm already doing that. I already know that. Um, and I'm sure that some people already are. And I know that the people who went to Wellington really got to experience it. But I felt drawn to talk about this tonight, and I've never spoken about this topic before. So my intention by talk about, with talking about it is to put this out energetically into this room, out into New Zealand, out into the world, because energetically everything is connected. Uh, there is a collective energy field and we are literally putting that, everything that is being said tonight is going out into that collective field. So what is really interesting is that in our so-called civilized civilizations, or nations, the paradox is that the more we become or have become civilized, the more we s seem to have lost our community and connection. Now, if you were to go down into the Amazon to a tribe, you know, in the middle of the Amazon, you would find that they still have their community and their connection in, in a true sense. But, you know, USA, UK, Europe, New Zealand, Australia, we, we've really lost a lot of our community. And 
I've come to really contemplate this uh, topic very deeply because I've had quite a lack of community in many ways in my life. And I would say that I've experienced quite devastating loneliness and isolation. And anybody who's experienced that will know what it feels like and, and it's just the absolute pits. And I found that as I get older, it's getting harder. So without, and I hope I don't stop crying here, um, without family, partner, children, siblings, you know, one really does feel alone. And, and it can be quite scary sometimes as well when, for example, you're ill and you can't look after yourself. And at the beginning of this year, very unexpectedly, I had some quite serious back problems. And for seven weeks, I could hardly walk, sit or drive. And it really was quite worrying and quite difficult. So really, you know, this, it, what I'm talking about can affect anybody, but in particular, I think maybe single people, older people, sick people, or anybody really could still be in a relationship, but going through difficulties, you know, anybody really can be hit by um, this experience of needing more support. And the reality is that, you know, government agencies, yes, we have age concern and whatever, but they're, they're not able to offer enough support. And we don't just need support in the good times. We need support through the difficult times, but we also need support in uh, every moment of every day of our life. And we need, one of the most powerful things is to feel encouragement, to, to have encouragement from other people. And the, the encouragement is a really interesting word. It comes from the, a French word, uh, courage, and courage comes from the word cœur, which is heart. And you all know what it feels like when you're encouraged by somebody, it lifts your heart, it lifts your spirit, and then you're able to go and do what you previously thought you couldn't do. So. I'd like to leave with a thought or an invitation of um, maybe asking yourself more, if you don't already do this, waking up in the morning maybe and saying, who, who might need some support today that I could reach out to? And by the way, I'm not, <laughs> don't all call me tomorrow morning, you know, nine o'clock. Um, I'm just using myself as an example because I know that what I've been through, other people go through. And it really concerns me, especially for older people who are by themselves, who have far less ability to look after themselves than I do, and I can't imagine how lonely they must be. Um, so yeah, we can, we can all start to maybe think more beyond our family unit, um, and, you know, what can I do to help somebody today and make it a daily practice. And just to finish with on two completely different topics, um, I just want to share a couple of organizations that I really recommend um, checking out if you haven't yet heard of them. Uh, one is called the World Council for Health. Who here has heard of the word World Council for Health? Yeah. So they're a fairly new organization that um, started up last year doing some amazing work, really, really focusing on solutions for a better way of healthcare. And every week at 6 o'clock, I know it's a bit early on a Tuesday morning, they have a, an online webinar. And every Thursday morning at 8, they have a connection room, which is more to do with mind health and helping people um, with mental health, but also you know, how to have difficult conversations with people who are of differing opinions and things like that. And 
I was watching a video uh, this week, uh, and I can post it in the Counterspin Telegram group, by Matthias Desmet. You may have seen it. He's the guy who talks about the mass formation. And he was talking about how important it is that no matter what, no matter what the outcome is, you have to keep speaking out. Because as soon as we stop doing that, everything is lost. So that was what I wanted to share. I hope it's been interesting. Thank you. Great, so that is, weren't they brilliant? Yeah, some wise words, you two. Um, so we're coming to an end um, to, of our speakers, but we're going to invite uh, in a moment Calvin and Hannah. Just before they come uh, onto the stage, what I um, got from your speech, Kim, I just wrote those words down too, and I want you to again turn to someone behind you that you haven't met in this moment and say this, have your say on all things that matter. Go. Have your say. Have your say on all things that matter. Tell them. Have your say. Wonderful, wonderful. So um, Calvin and Hannah are going to come on. We'd also like our speakers that spoke tonight to also pop up because we're going to have 10 minutes or so of questions and answers should you have a, a burning question. So come on up, speakers. Come on in, uh, Hannah and Calvin. Let's bring them on. They're quite familiar with this. Come on up, Deb, all you others. Fantastic. Come and lounge on the sofas. There may be some burning questions that people want to ask you. Well, come on back, you two. Thank you, um, and thank you to our amazing speakers. Um, there's one thing that I want to say. Um, a lot of the information that you've heard tonight um, can be quite full on. So um, it's important that I suppose we all, and I'm sure you're all aware of this, you know, living in an amazing part of the country that we all take time as well to remember the amazing things, because when you turn the TV off and you turn your screens off, um, the world is actually an amazing place. Um, and so, with uh, that in mind, did, do any of you know who Richard Prosser? Do you know Richard Prosser? He, um, unfortunately, we've just had the really sad news that he's passed away. Uh, apparently, he, he was struggling for a long time with depression. And, um, yeah, so that's just come through. And he was a very uh, bright light for many of us. He was over in the UK and he was sharing a lot of truth. He was obviously a former um, New Zealand First uh, MP and he also wrote for 10 years for Investigate magazine. So he was very much somebody that um, we held in high regard as a New Zealander standing up for the truth. So um, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. And his family, he leaves behind a wife and... Um, and yeah, it was his sister that rang through the news to um, Radio Central. Apparently he had a, sh a regular slot once a week on Radio Central. So yeah. Um, the other news that we want to say in regards to Calvin's mum, she had a stroke um, last week when we were going to the... Um, where were we? 
Dunedin, yes, out at Henley Hall, um, after having had multiple uh, venues cancel on us, we then had the news that um, his mother was just having a stroke and she wanted to, us to say a couple of words because she is doing well. She recovered very quickly from her surgery, emergency surgery. Yeah, it was a, it was a massive stroke. Uh, they went in through the groin and extracted the massive blood clot that was in the brain. Um, so Speak up. she's pretty much got everything back to normal, speaking well, um, fully formed. Must be the Irish in her, of course. Um, <laughs> Uh, she survived after years ago a massive heart attack as well that resulted in stents and all that. You just can't kill the bitch. Um, <laughs> but just for the record, I am a mummy's boy. <laughs> Mum, keep me in the will. Because um, that sounds like it's coming soon. No. Um, no she is, she's fantastic. You know, she, she taught all us boys and, and my sister and that um, some valuable lessons growing up right from when we were young. Because a lot of people, you know, question everyone asks is, how long have you been awake? So I've never been asleep because I've got, got a mother like I have. And one of the gems she passed on that she would make us repeat um, was, you believe nothing blindly, you question everything, especially if it comes from someone purporting to be authority. And boy, hasn't that served us well. Yeah. So yeah, she's, and she wanted us to uh, give a shout out to Middlemore Hospital and uh, Auckland Hospital for the amazing staff uh, they didn't even try to jab her, didn't try to mask her up or anything like that. I think everyone realised as the narrative shot, um, we control that now. Um, it's the last vestiges of um, attacks coming, because that's the last thing, of course, they attack you when you're about to win. So uh, I expect us all to be winning very soon. And with stories like the, these speakers here, bringing theirs, your own experiences with the polls we had before, no one can deny it. That's all over the country. Mainstream media can suppress it as much as they like, but with you people reconnecting with the community, speaking with each other, this thing ain't going to be lost. We're going to win this fight. There's no two ways about it. Um, something else, uh, just going over to America, um, Justin Bieber apparently has cancelled a number of his shows because he has now got um, partial facial paralysis, Ramsey um, Hunt syndrome, um, and in March his wife Hayley Bieber apparently had a stroke and she was hospitalised uh, with a clot in the brain and that was put down to the birth control pill. Um, cause she, and she'd recently had COVID-19 and she'd also had a long distance flight. So apparently that's all normal for young people to have a stroke. Um, and apparently Justin Bieber's um, paralysis was due to a virus in the ear. So um, we're just questioning it, you know. We're just asking, why are all these young people suddenly coming down with all these major... Um, major issues, including pericarditis, myocarditis, which the, um, the, Royal, uh, the Royal Council in Australia for GPs is now calling it SADS, Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. Like so, it's just a natural phenomenon. So all these young unexplained deaths happening around the world, um, who knows what it could be? I don't know. I'll leave that to That's your discretion. Jab. Jab's killing every <laughs> bastard in sight. Let's, let's be honest, it's a scam, it was a scam from the beginning, all they did was they made you fear. Remember all those harrowing images of people dropping dead like some sort of invisible ninja was cutting them down as they're going down the street? Then all of a sudden, of course, um, they have to explain all the adverse reactions and deaths. So it's long COVID, 
Now we're getting monkeypox. I remember when Delta was um, so at the border, apparently, it was like waiting its turn, an MOQ ready to strike. And Adern comes out on the stage and she says, we've got a suspected case of uh, Delta. So already you knew what was going to happen. It was going to be real and you're going to be locked down. Sure enough, that happened. She also said that the ESR, Environmental Science uh, Research, um, confirmed it. So I hit them with an Official Information Act request and uh, lo and behold, they said, that no, we've got nothing. We take our advice from overseas. So basically I call bullshit on the absolute lot of it. Yep, and uh, you'll see something on the Counterspin Telegram or Facebook. If you haven't already um, found us there, go and check us out there. You'll find a new thing that we're, we're calling the Deep State Translator, uh, where we've managed to decipher a lot of um, the Deep State players. So the first one that we've actually done now is Helen Clark. And, of course, um, I went to see Helen Clark speaking, I think it was kind of end of 2020 and Did she was recover? she was yeah no I'm still still trying to recover but she predicted um, you know famine um, disease um, the, the food crisis all of this stuff she she put out in her speech and so um, what we found this translator does is it actually translates what she's saying to say actually that these were all manufactured crises <laughs> and um, they create the problem then we all react, and then they've already got the solution waiting in the wings. So um, I'm sure you're all aware of um, their process. And it's the, the interesting thing about today's times is that we can see it all playing out in real time. Maybe like 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, people labelled it a conspiracy theory. Well, we can all see it. You know, the difference between a conspiracy theory and a conspiracy fact. Um, it was six months not long ago, and now it's pretty much six weeks. So... Um, it's exciting times in a way because I never thought that I'd actually live to see this roll out because this vaccine has been planned for a very long time. Um, and I, yeah, I did not think it would happen. But the word is that apparently the reason why they're aiming for 2030 to have this um, United Nations kind of global system in place is because, and I'm going to get a bit woo-woo because I have to, um, but there is a spiritual awakening that is beyond anybody's control. And the, the technology that they're putting into people's bodies with this mRNA, they call it a gene therapy, but we know it's not, is taking us to a place that is linking us up to the AI system. And it's called transhumanism, and I'm sure most of you have already looked into that. But the crux of that is, is that it takes you away from your ability to actually connect with the divine, the creator, God, however you see that, because in approximately, you know, from around 2030 onwards, the awakening that is coming is going to be so powerful, so all of you who have decided to keep your genes pure and, you know, stay in, in the natural way that you're created are going to be given access to a whole new world. And that's what they talk about in Brave New World, if you've read that book, they split. You know, and it'll be the super cities, the really high-tech cities where the human heart is no longer really at the centre of things. And then the natural people, and I'm sure many of you are already finding your groups and creating your new system, but there's potentially going to be a, a clear divide. And it's because um, there's some very exciting things happening for humanity. So they might have their great reset, but we've got the great awakening. Okay, I finished my woo-woo. <laughs> yeah, we're now back on Earth. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's more in tune than I am. I'm more uh, 
practical. I can only go with what I see and the facts and evidence that's around it. And it's a fact that there's a hell of a lot of carnage going on. It's a fact that there's a lot of manufacturing of food crisis, uh, fuel shortages, all by design. You should be building another refinery down here in the South Island because you've got enough oil in the Great South Basin to make you energy independent for centuries. Um, that was discovered in 1967 by Nelson Bunker Hunt, Hunt Petroleum. And of course politicians bribed to hell, bribed to, hell to um, give those away for 75 years. Um, now I think I'll get a little controversial, which is unusual for me. <laughs> Um, the one thing, they're, they're weaponising not only fear, they're weaponising the race card, if you notice that. Um, pitting uh, Māori and everyone else against each other, which is just wrong. Uh, because the average Māori is just like us. Same hopes, same dreams, same desires, same uh, wish to protect the future for their children. And then you've got those elitist pricks, or wannabe elites, who are basically wanting to grab everything in sight based on the 1975 Treaty of Waitangi Act, which was an absolute fraud. Uh, we've proven that with forensics on the show, if you want to go back and watch that episode. Um, and I just want to say, no, you weren't here first, you elitist pricks. You weren't at all. We've got archaeological evidence that absolutely prove that. But now that we can prove you weren't here first, we don't care. The fact is we're all here now we're all getting made mincemeat of, fighting each other over issues of no real importance while they carve up the countryside and sell to their mates. We are, we've got less than we've ever had. You are paying more for less services. Look at your council rates. Remember they told you it'll be cheaper if they consolidate, do big super cities. And it's all in the drive to do exactly what Hannah said. Because who's gonna bite the hand that feeds them? There was one election promise, I think, Jacinda Ardern made that she might actually come through on. I know, I know. <laughs> Try to contain yourself. Um, and that's the housing crisis. Because the jab's going to kill heaps of people, you're going to get some pretty good bargains coming along soon. <laughs> and all those people who believe that the jab is a good thing, put me in your will. If you've taken it, just put me in your will for five years. That's all. And if you're still alive after that time, I'll say you were right, but I've got, got a feeling I'm going to be one a wealthy human being. And I think those are the people who need to be focused on. We need to not alienate those people who had no choice, because let's face it, it was Russian roulette with a shotgun. They were told, you either take this, or we are going to remove this, 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 or this, and you won't be able to do this, this, and this. So those are the people we need to try and find out how to help them as soon as possible. The only way that's going to happen is for the truth to come out. And that's why I'm glad speakers like this, who are standing up, putting their head above the parapet, taking the hits, taking the criticisms, are still going along while others are folding like a deck of cards. So mainstream media, you can keep attacking, but I've just asked one question. Can you prove us wrong? I'll answer it for you, no. Pricks. <laughs> so truth, courage, freedom. Those were three of our key words for this tour. You know, it's you're all awakening to the truth and then it's really about connecting to your own inner courage and that's what's going to bring us all freedom because we are the many, they are the few and um, there's a whole lot of people that we love that thought they were doing the right thing. So they've gone along with the program, and unfortunately, Kiwis, we have been programmed to be very apathetic, 
Um, so we commend you all for coming and we commend you all for staying strong in your position and your community because we know it's certainly not easy when um, you're being labelled all sorts of things by your family. Yep. So um, before we get into question and answers, just give yourselves a round of applause yeah, and um, thanks legends, for coming. absolute legends. So um, we have a microphone there, so um, if you've got a burning question, I suggest we just start, um, you know, you can jump up and ask a question to anybody up here. Interrogate and, anyone up here. <laughs> and um, yeah, just make an orderly line and um, try and get to your point and your question quickly, if you can. And uh, No waffle. Yeah, and we'll try and keep things going so you all get, get your say. Don't all rush at once. Stampede. <laughs> All right, who's going to be brave? Who's going to be the first one? Surely some of you have got a question. Here we go. Brilliant. Um, in our VFS thing of where we go from here, we were really passionate about our children. Have you got anything you're supporting about stopping them killing our kids? See, I've got some solutions for that, but apparently it's, <laughs> it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have known? Um, so and you're right, they are. A lot of people say we're in a war and we're in an information war. No, we're actually in a physical war. They've already started taking lives. Our side just hasn't realised that yet. So we've got to put it this way. If you're a man, a real man with a proper set of balls and you're not gender confused, then you would be drawing that line and saying to the government, this you shall not pass. And when, it come, when you start coming after the kids, you have, even under their own Crimes Act, you have the absolute right to self-defence and self-preservation, just like you have defending those who can't defend themselves, children being one. Absolutely. Yeah, and can I just say one thing as well? Um, I, my solution to that is it's time for mothers to be mothers again. So if you are a working mother and you've got children in a school and you feel that there are some things that you don't like about schools, just consider that maybe quitting your job now is a sacrifice worth making because you are the ones that are actually creating that consciousness. And if you may have to sacrifice holidays, well, not that we can go overseas, but you know, you may have to sacrifice the second car or you may have to sell the beach house or the crib, as you call it down here. But that is a sacrifice worth making because too many women have been conditioned to sacrifice the raising of their own children. So I've been talking a lot about that. Um, and I won't go into it, but toxic femininity is something we need to talk about. And part of that is the, the control program to think that women are only something if they're working outside of the home. That's not true. We can save our kids. If you're a single parent or if you have a partner, um, the alignment on what you just said, Hannah, is crucial. When, uh, just to share a personal story, um, when this came out, Steve and I, my husband and I looked at each other and I said, they're gonna come for our daughter. I can see it right now. I can see the mandatory jab, I saw it. So we made moves then to homeschool her. Now, any place that you can look in your life, this is just the school, where you just didn't realize you were giving over your child to this <clears throat> really, really dysfunctional system. Let's say it that way. Um, take it back. Take it back. 
you have the power to take us back. I absolutely uh, recommend getting into community with other people that may be facing the same issue. We can get creative. We can, okay, great. It's really gonna be a struggle for me to homeschool by myself. Who else can we share this with? What can we create? What can we invent? I'm seeing homeschool groups pop up all over this country. I'm seeing them pop up all over the world, helping each other, supporting each other, grouping up and hiring an instructor for a highlight lesson once a week or twice a week. There's all kinds of ways forward with this. So the biggest thing that I say we can do at the moment to protect our children is get them the hell out of this crazy system that's, that's designed to just take the power and their authenticity and their individuality away anyway. Waiting? Anybody else? Brave soul wants While to you're fighting question. each other for the stage, <laughs> remember this 1933 Montevideo Convention gave for the uh, set out the steps required to create your own nation state. If there's farmers here with massive farms, join with other massive farms and create your own nation state. All you need is a defined boundary of permanent inhabitants, a set of rules, and a flag. That's it. Write a Declaration of Independence. You've got plenty of reasons why. And then a constitution that enshrines exactly what you're looking for. Pretty easy. I'll even have you write it all. And we're still waiting for the court case. Should be, what, 22nd of this month. They've delayed five times now when we took Abu Tasman National Park off them and uh, caught it in New Freeland. Uh, Crown keeps delaying because we have them cold. We discovered the land because they abandoned it, of course. Um, so we're still waiting for that. So come on, everybody. Come and ask these beautiful speakers a question. Um, and while you're doing that, thinking, 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 I will let you know about Ouchie Powder. They are a um, new sponsor for yeah. Counterspin. I actually have a question for the two of you. What are you seeing uh, traveling around New Zealand and the South Island? What's your impression of how things are going? No, just uh, the awakeness or just, yeah, what, what's your impression just coming around, going around to these towns? Well, every time you go to the supermarket, you really think there's no hope for this country. <laughs> when you're the only one in the supermarket without a mask on, it's pretty depressing. But then when you come to meetings like this, it's like, wow, there are so many um, awake, amazing people out there. And um, from my personal experience, having felt really, really alone for far, far too long, um, when COVID hit, you know, it really woke a lot of people up. So I see it's been When the common cold hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the whole narrative, let's say. Um, what do you think, Calvin? What have you seen? Actually, the further south we got, the more men we found. Seriously. Um, you've got... We were out on one of the farms. Um, where was that? Uh, just outside of Mossburn, uh, where they were doing some deer culling, uh, you know, man stuff. And... Um, <laughs> I don't care, you vegans. Um, and it, it was amazing how many of those farmers are awake. They know exactly what's going on. They know the government's coming for them through these significant natural areas. Um, everything Heather's talked about uh, through all of their talks, Rob Wilson, people like that, they've just been bringing it on, bringing the um, information. And the farmers, they're not stupid. That's why they wanted to take all the guns. Because how's that working out for us when you have 14 shootings um, or 20 now in, in two weeks up in Auckland. 
That didn't exactly work out too well because we knew it was only be the law-abiding ones who actually gave the weapons over. Gangs would never give their shit up. They'd just be stupid. And uh, not everyone did. Just saying. <laughs> All right, don't be shy, everybody. Don't ask if I've got a licence because the answer would be no. <laughs> Our team... then, do you think you need one? No. <laughs> Our team's done a great job uh, setting up the mic tonight. Yeah. So make use of it. Not every event has had this. All right, uh, go, Jane. Just before you go, Jane, and in all honesty, um, these things don't ever happen without our crew. You've got Pete over here on the camera. You've got Lisa down the back by the merch table. <laughs> Team Zulu over here. We've put that man through the ringer and his wife, Chrissy. You've got Arthur as well, Paris bus driver. Barack, he's just, uh, just left us. He's gone off um, on his way. Valkyrie, of course. Yeah, you guys are legends. And Dana. You guys, and Dana. And Artemis, and our Artemis, new young edition. Our little mascot. <laughs> oh, without these guys, it, just, it, just, it wouldn't be possible. So we, uh, we're eternally grateful to them. And the great thing's been that each community's got on board as well, because we don't know you, your communities. So it's a matter of linking up with people and then yeah. drawing on your communities to, to get your voice out, which has been awesome. All right, Jane. Okay, um, this is in sort of what, what you were saying, Heather. Um, so I'm an, I'm an artist, but I've taken my poetry a bit far now. I'm getting right into it. It's called Vessels Lost at Sea. Now, when I, when I say these words, I want you to just listen to the different way that they are spelt, and then it'll make more sense. Seaman, seaman, doctor, doc, waters break, birth canal, born day, birthday birthday, boy, boy bobbing in the sea, a quick prick in the soul, you're worth your weight in gold. Our lands are really waters, waterways, highways, freeways, car ports, loading docks, traffic, islands. I see, I see, we are vessels lost at sea. Where is the gold that we were owed at birth, stolen by the Pope, birth suit number, stock exchange? Our gold is worth millions, upward slope. Proof is on the paperwork, a certificate that may appear boring, but the secret lies at the bottom, blank, black ink, small print, reads, warning. This certificate is not evidence of the identity of the person presenting it. Realise the real lies with your real eyes, for the deception and the trickery happened at birth before you even touched the earth. Awesome. Sounds well. Thanks, Jane. Yeah, um, is our mic still on? Yeah, so in response to that, um, something that Calvin and I have um, found on our journey um, is the proclamation of peace um, and the Kingdom of David and the um, Pantera Society and Gemstone University. Now, that's... Uh, there are many groups all around the world that are actually raising us up into like what Heather was talking about, the higher jurisdiction, which is the fact that we are direct descendants from our creator and we are the highest jurisdiction. And that is the new world that we're going to step into. And it's based on abundance. It's based on care, like genuine care, genuine kindness, truth and freedom. Looks like there's another brave soul, Kim. <laughs> all right. Off there. Oh no, that's all right. That, I'm just kind of 
interluding. Just waffling till you got there. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I was just continuing on from the previous speaker, funnily enough, because I just saw this, maybe I saw it, I, I don't know which Telegram group I saw it on today, and, and I may not have this completely accurate, um, <clears throat> just bear that in mind, but this is what I wrote on a Facebook post, and by the way, I scored another 90-day ban yesterday. I love exploring the meaning of words. The phrases we say have so much hidden meaning. If we re really listen to the words we say, we will learn much about life. For example, have you ever considered the saying, worth your weight in gold? Have you ever wondered why this, what this really means? Here is some information you may not know. At birth, when you're registered, inverted commas, you're signed away to the stock exchange for your weight in gold. You're literally traded on the stock exchange for the duration of your life without even knowing it. You're considered lost at sea if you do not claim your birthright before the age of seven. By the way, as I said, I'm, I'm not sure if this is all accurate, so just please yeah, correct me. Um, <clears throat> this is what maritime law is all about. This is why there's so many references to the sea in law. Either you're lost at sea or you're a person of the land. This is all rather shocking to learn when you first hear about it. In fact, it can be so unbelievable, the mind can, cannot initially, initially grasp it can be possibly true. Can all of this really be going on behind your back without you knowing it? The startling answer is yes. Last Christmas holidays, I found myself glued to the videos of Kenneth Scott from Genstone University explaining all about this. At times, it was overwhelming and I had to take breaks because the expansion of consciousness I experienced was just too much. So just take your time when you're learning this information. It can feel truly shocking. And here is a snippet of something which I just saw which demonstrates the true meaning of these words, Vessels Lost at Sea by Jane Louise Callahan. Oh, yeah, I'll just say, if you're not already signed up to our website, please do check it out, counterspinmedia.com, because um, who knows what's going to happen on social media. And also, it's hard for us to, to plug, um, but if you would like to make a donation, if you haven't already, that would be um, greatly appreciated on your way out, or check out the merch table as well. So I'll hand over to you. Here, swap me, swap. Yeah. <laughs> So, I would like to share with you that, and, and kind of ask you a little bit more about these distinctions between common law and what that can make available, and natural law, or um, what were you calling it? Living law. Living law. And, and distinguishing about natural law. There's all these terms bandying about. So, you know, we followed the common law thing, and I studied deeply, and we, you know, we did all kinds of stuff. And ultimately, where it led to was, you know, I tested it. And I tested it in a couple of different ways. Um, Steve and I decided, all right, we're really not interested in having the Otago Regional Council come and inventory our bore, because that's what I knew it was. And so when they offered, I declined their offer. And then they said, the RMA makes it a warrant. And I said, well, first and right. It's first in time is first and right. And, you know, I educated them. So ultimately, the police came to see me. And the police officer, despite my trespass notice right on the gate, hopped over the gate and decided to come and trespass my property. So 
I drove quickly up to him and said, you're trespassing on my property, and I chased him off my land. I did. No, I didn't. I just thought it a lot. So um, where, where all of that eventually got to, back and forth with ORC and the police and all this nonsense, was that they just bloody well came in and did what they wanted anyway, and then billed us for it. And, um, oh, and required us to put some concrete around our bore casing, which the whole point of their exercise was to get the GPS coordinates on our bore. Yeah. And I knew it. Yeah. So I called them on their game. I asserted authority. I did, you know, I did all the stuff that you needed to do. And none of it came to any result that I wanted. So now you've got living law. Laura or law? Law, L-O-R-E. Law, L-O-R-E. Please help me understand how I could, or, or comprehend how I could have worked that perhaps differently according to what you know. Yep. Okay, I'll just try to keep it, and I can't really enunciate a lot of this in a really short time, but it is it does get quite confusing for people, the difference between common law, also because common law people often refer to it as natural law, and I'm saying law of nature, but there, LAW, which is a man-made system, common law is based on case precedent, etc., whereas we stand under... Um, living law and the fact that you are created directly, you're alive, and all those other legal systems are created by man. They're written rules that take away our freedoms and say we can and can't do this. So um, there is quite a few areas of truth in common learning between common law and living law. Example, your unalienable human rights, the Magna Carta, um, your straw man or corporate identity, your CSQV trust. So they are things which are actually true and which are taught under that discipline and under what we're teaching is living law. So uh, the kind of approach that we would do under living law is you look at it and you go, is this living or dead? Who's the entity you're dealing with? Otago Regional Council, they're a corporation. So, um, and according to case precedent, which was 1792 in North Carolina, Cruden versus Neal, where we use their own system to highlight that they're fraudulent under their own admiralty law system, which, by the way, is fraudulent when you bring it onto land. So, um, so you know that the case precedent is there in their legal system, which says that the rights of natural, i.e. living men or women, cannot be usurped by a group, i.e. government, govern, control, mental, the mind. Um, so a group formed cannot take away the rights of a living man or woman unless they consent to it. And so if you're deceived or coerced into consenting, that is fraud. And it also, if they as a corporation are claiming authority over you and the ability to come over your land, you are of a substance, you are living, your soil, the whenua, is of substance. So when they're claiming they have authority over that and they're administering your life, um, that also, under their own system, under the 1967 United Nations um, International Covenant of Civil and Political Rights, it classifies that action, a group or a person acting on behalf of a group or corporation claiming authority over somebody as living, is slavery. Now, that is a punishable crime under the, uh, under the 1961 Crimes Act. I think it's about 500,000 in, um, in fine up to and up to 21 years in prison. If you're committing slavery. So, but the people who come to your door are performing their job description. They don't really understand that they're deceiving you. They don't understand they're operating in fraud. And some of them do, and they're quite happy to do it. 
So it's also about education. So the way we would probably deal with that is to send them a conditional acceptance. There's a conditional acceptance example on the AAG website. It's based on significant natural areas, and it's got 21 points. Now, we would never send a letter with 21 points. We aim for sort of five to 10, but what we did is a group of us brainstormed all the ways that a corporation could be committing fraud, and you take what's more relevant, whether you're going about a water entry or a land grab under SNA or um, a demand to pay rates, whatever, you, you pick the most relevant. But in your case, you would say, you know, I'm, you'd send notify their office, I am happy for you to come onto my land and I recognise your authority to govern my affairs, provided you can prove that. Number one, you're not a corporation. Number two, that a corporation has authority over things of substance, i.e. living man or woman and real soil. And then you just drop in those bits that, um, that I need to do this under an act and that the act binds the crown, that you can prove that I am the crown. And you just give them the ways. It's pretty simple once you make that paradigm shift in your head and you see the fraud, it's pretty easy to bring up those things. I'm agreeing to pay what you ask, to do what you wish if you can prove with proof under um, penalty of perjury, the following, that you're not a corporation, that you have authority and jurisdiction, da da da, as per the example on my website. And so if they then receive that, you send it courier or you deliver it in hand so you can prove they've received it, and then you make it quite clear that you know within five days you haven't responded, then you're agreeing that I don't need to comply with this, that it's fraudulent. Fraud has been detected. Fraud means no contract, no consent. So what we're doing is we're standing in honour and truth and um, we're giving them the benefit of the doubt, the grace that either you're deliberately coercing and deceiving me or you're doing it in error because you don't know any better. Now the guy who I call a teacher who taught me what I teach to people is living law, he's all about education. He went to his local council regarding them thinking they had authority to come onto his land and do certain things and he did an education session. That was 120 people who worked at the council, including the CEO. He did a living law basic presentation, which was probably around about three hours. At the end of that presentation, 80 out of the 120 people resigned because they did not want to be committing fraud and they realised that they were. This is the power of the truth, and this is an example of good people stuck in the system just doing their job. This is what my job description says. This is what the manual says of what I do. A beautiful old farmer on the west coast who when the SNAs came out, he lost 90% of his farm, according to their map of what's SNA. He kept getting phone calls and harassment. He went down in the end to the councilwoman who kept ringing him and said, look, I'm per and he's actually employing that same methodology, but he didn't know about living law yet. And he said, look, I'm perfectly happy for you guys to have what you've claimed on my farm provided you can just answer a few questions for me. Sure, she says. Oh, thank goodness, this old guy's been such hard work, she's thinking. He says, can you tell me your name? Sure, Susan. Can you tell me where you live? Uh, not really sure I want to do that. Why would you want to know where I live? And he said, because I'm coming down to your house, I'm going to move into your garage, I'm going to claim um, one bedroom, half the hall, all your kitchen and one of your bathrooms. And she's like, you can't do that. He said, that's exactly what you're doing to me on my farm. So sometimes we've just got to break through and get people's eyes open of what they're doing because they're just doing their job. There is some stinkers in the system, let's be honest, who are deliberately there to smash us, but there's good people just stuck in there who don't know better. I hope that was helpful. Yeah? Yeah.
currently I'm doing the wrap-up. So we thank you very much. Thank you, speakers. Thank you, Counterspin, Kelvin, Hannah, and the crew. Um, and more importantly, you as an appreciative audience. So well done to you guys. Feel free to grab some food on the way out if you want to. Uh, we'll see you next time. Ta-ciao. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network at band.video.